Everybody comfortable? Yeah. Get your ass up when I'm talking. Hey, take it easy. It's showtime. It's showtime. Yeah. Feel the magic and soul of the YB. All right, we're back finally with that Davis show. It has definitely been a second. Uh, we take a little breaks. So we both had stuff to do from from work to family and then the big move with Ryan moving to Arizona, Tempe, Arizona, that is. Uh, so now we're back giving you a little bit of this flavor weekly again of sports and some stuff out of sports uh, with that Davis show. I'm the host, of course, Kim Davis. Follow me at That's Davis. And of course, you know, executive producer of Flipping Friends and this show, That Davis Show, and that is Ryan Bukovetsky. Follow him at Ryan B. Ski and Ryan B. Ski one on Instagram for the sexiest side of Ryan. He gives all that on the Ryan B. Ski one. Regular Ryan B. Ski, stoic. Rabiski won all sex. <laughs> My alter ego. Right. Rabiski won. That's your alter ego. Yeah. Ooh, don't put the one at the end. I'm going to get freaky up here. Yeah, they took away uh, just Ryan B. Ski, so I had to add the number out there. We need to go find that because this freaky, freaky part of you needs to go away. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so look, let's go off top. Off um, top? Off the tippy, off top, uh, Junior Bridgman, uh, former Milwaukee Bucks player, played primarily for the Bucks, bought Ebony Media for $14 million. Uh, it was in bankruptcy. Uh, we have know some of the friends that I know that have written articles from Ebony uh, this past decade. They didn't get paid. There's been a lot of uh, frustration with Ebony, the building. I, I forget, um, I think Columbia owns the building now. It's right there on 800. Uh, something in Michigan, which just for being a, a black person in that building and what it meant when you would drive down Michigan Avenue in Chicago and see Ebony Jet on the top of that white building, uh, it, it warmed your heart. Uh, so he, he bought it. And the crazy thing is, I believe, and I didn't check this out, I believe he made most of his money initially from Wendy's. When I saw his picture, I remember they used to always show this uh, basketball player like a decade ago and be like, man, this dude became a, a hundred million dollar, a hundred millionaire owning Wendy's franchises or whatever. Uh, but when the article I read, it said he got out of fast food. Uh, he went into uh, 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 bottling. He, you know, he has a, like a Coca-Cola distribution down in uh, Kansas or Missouri or something like that. Uh, but he was going to buy Sports Illustrated for 110 mil, Ryan. Which, well, no, it's sold for 110 million. Let me say that. But just to let you know what type of bread he must have, if he was anywhere near that type of running where you could throw 110 million at something, usually you got to at least have, what? what is it? If you can spend it, you should be able to buy it three or four times or something like that, as the saying goes. You're going right. to Right? So you, let you know. Go ahead. Usually you don't just liquefy everything and have right. $10 million. Cheaps, <laughs> yeah. So uh, just talk about the type of business person he is. He said his kids are going to run uh, Ebony Media. Uh, but so for, for me, the thing was, and when I saw this, it made me think about my, my, my grandmother, uh, my dad and my great aunt, uh, my granddad. And uh, we had Ebony and Jack come to the house uh, for anybody that doesn't know. So Ebony was the big magazine. And these were about what was going on in, in, in African-Americans' worlds uh, here and abroad, but particularly here, um, celebrities, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, Ebony was more of the um, uh, the classier. I don't know if classy is necessarily the word that I want to use. I don't know if classy, but it was uh, it was the, the more buttoned down magazine uh, magazine. It was the bigger magazine. The fancier. The fancier right? probably would work. Uh, you know, it, it was the more newsworthy rather than uh, it's, even though both of them can deal with a little tabloid stuff. But Jet uh, Jet came weekly. Ebony came monthly. Jet came weekly. It was a small magazine. We used to have him like on the. Um, on top of this box radiator and uh what well, radiator and they had a box around this wooden box in the bathroom. For some reason all the jets ended up right there. Uh but it came weekly <laughs> and it had like the centerfold, the centerfold of the week, some lovely lady would be in there and it'd tell you in the back uh what who's on the top of the charts, uh what stores was going on. And these these magazines meant a lot. I mean, and I'm at the tail end of it, I'm talking about the eighties and the nineties. You know, these were seminal in like the fifties. Uh, that, that gave black people pride. So to see someone buying and hopefully it'll turn around, it's hard. They have a, they do have, it is digital and that's primarily where they'll be. Uh, uh, Bridgman did say that they were going to do some print, you know, some, some, some off prints or whatever, where it won't be uh, um, consistent or regular, but they'll have standoff uh, print articles or print magazines, or I, I guess I should say. So it's good to see uh, perhaps return to something that meant so much to so many of us black people around this country in Ebony. Uh, so I wanted that to be my off top for today. So it's nothing bad. It's nothing about politics or some effery that's taking place. It's just good old Ebony may have a chance to, to uh, a resurgence. Good. That's great. We need as much multicultural in our media as possible. So that's great. So next... Getting to something that we haven't had a chance to talk about since we've basically been off for about a few weeks. Uh, and that's the victories that the Bears have amassed since I believe the last time perhaps we talked. Um, the Bears beat the Vikings this week. Uh, they defeated uh, Houston. Just couldn't before. lose. <laughs> and uh, who'd they beat? Who'd they, uh, who'd they, no, Houston was the first time that they broke the streak, right? They scored yes. 30 points. They should have beaten the Lions until the right. debacle right at the end. So, listen, Mitch Trubisky has been balling out. I'll even th- throw that last interception out uh, at the, of the game. I mean, it was still a bad throw when you look at the coverage, but still uh, looking at what, what, um, what listen, what Lazer's been doing with him and with that offense compared to what it has been is ridiculous. And it's only ridiculous because this was always here. And basically it was wasted as far as the season goes uh, by the stubbornness of Matt Nagy from not one, not wanting to give up play calling. No, we could have found this out a lot earlier that there were ways to use Mitch and also how much it, it meant to David Montgomery and David Montgomery getting off. Like there have been times where I've questioned if David Montgomery is a bell cow back, not his toughness. We've never questioned his toughness. Sometimes we question his field vision, but also this offensive line has improved uh, with the move of having Mustafer sit there at center. And when you have uh, um, Whitehair now there at back at left guard as he was uh, in seasons past. And it's just things are, look, they've been playing some weak teams. They're, they're not beating world beaters. But when you see that offense play, you're like, I, no one's stopping this. And again, like that's not the Minnesota defense from a couple years ago uh, when, you know, they had uh, just um, they had, the, you know, the uh, Griffin on the edge. You know, they had uh, Daniel Hunter, Daniel Hunter, the DBs before Xavier went to put. But they had a great secondary. They, mostly those guys are gone. And Zimmerman alluded to that at the beginning of the season that it was going to be uh, some some growing pains when it comes to having a young secondary. But still, they're 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 they're, they're decent. So to sit there and take it to them like that 
And it, 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 by no, you watched that game this Sunday and you thought they're not stopping the Bears. Like once it got to a certain score, uh, you was like, this game is a wrap. And the games had, you had, had mostly, and we talked about this a lot, Ryan and myself, how stressful these games were earlier in the season. And again, we don't necessarily want them to win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But these, have been, these games have not been stressful whatsoever. Uh, they have been a joy, you know what I'm saying, of relaxation. You know what I'm saying? I mean, even though if the outcome isn't necessarily the one that I desire to get the result that I want in the future, it's not that I'm hating on this team. I just don't see them as Super Bowl contenders. And I'm ready to start moving in that direction, regardless if next season sucks or not. Uh, so I don't know if you saw this week's game since you, you know, you're down there in, in Tempe, Ryan, but what are your thoughts on the last few games of the Bears uh, that you've seen unfold recently? Yes, I did still watch the game. No worries there. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because uh, they're absolutely dominating defenses that they should be dominating, and we haven't seen that all year long, right. <laughs> even against, like, I think early back, like that New York Giants team, even that Lions team, they were terrible until that fourth quarter in that first week one opening game. And then you look at even this past game against Detroit that they did, another 30 spot. I, I'm with you. Like, Bill Lazor has made a huge difference. Matt Nagy has gotten out of his own way. And it's really just kind of frustrating as a Bears fan because, you know, you had a formula all along. Like, they should be in the playoffs, basically. Like, there's really no excuse. After that 5-1 start where you really got lucky because of just some weird stuff, but even that stretch of games where they lost six in a row, I mean, it's not like every team was a Super Bowl contender that they played up against. And had Matt Nagy stuck to running the football more often – you know, they had a lot of offensive line issues, so sometimes they couldn't have done more than what they did. But especially when you had Sam Mustafer and some of these guys in there and you were seeing running lanes and then the Bears still turn away from the running game in general, it, it just left you a head scratching. And then you see this defense, it seems like they've kind of taken a step back a little bit. They don't really seem dominant for sure but even that level kind of below dominant they're kind of leaving that area too but you know they're going to be favored against these jags for sure there's just no way that this jags team should beat them unless they just lay an egg and then it's going to come down to that green bay game because right now green bay they're probably going to have to play their starters based on the seating because they're only a game up on both uh, the seahawks and the saints so that game matters to them. And for the Bears, you're going to have to win out if you got any shot at the playoffs. Definitely. And um, listen, I said this, regardless of what happens, I still think someone has to pay for this taking place. I don't think winning these last three games absolves someone from having to uh, beat a fall guy, you know, saying in this situation. And it, right now it looks like it's going to be Matt Nagy because in all fairness, I'll say this. Right now, his mistakes have been the most egregious because if this is a way to get the best out of Mitch, listen, I mean, if you really just think about it, if this was the way to score 25, 27 points, they've been, they've been getting to 30. I'm just going to say, I'm going I'm to bring it back a little. 27 points weekly, and you basically didn't know. I won't say he blocked this. You didn't know this. It's saying a lot about your coaching acumen. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's really saying a lot because, dude, the running game was working with a healthy line, yes, 
But with Mitch in there, because teams are afraid of Mitch starts to run. You know what I'm saying? And we saw that in the first few games. Again, they were actually running the ball. And when he got someone that he thought could show, and I'm talking about Nick Foles, can show that Matt Nagy's wizardry as far as calling up pass plays, he fell back into the old rut that he did back in uh, 2018. You know what I'm saying? And he has to pay for the fact that uh, you sat there and wasted um, you wasted this season. I won't even say a majority of this season. I'll say you wasted this season because you didn't do what you needed to do when it came to you going ahead and and and, and putting Mitchell Trubisky in the best possible way to get the best out of him to help this defense. When you look at the fact that you had the strong defense, right, and the, the best asset of this defense is their pass rush, all right, when you look at the fact that you have Khalil Mack, look at the fact that you have uh, Robert Quinn and Nakeem Hicks, and you sat there and you could have had these guys playing with their ears pinned back majority of the season because you scored so many points, you don't have to worry about the run, right? And yet you were in the way of this, and we've been calling to see someone else call plays. We didn't know. One of the things you and Ryan and I said was, you know what? Who, if, if you give up play calling, who do we know is on here that can necessarily cause plays to, to, to try to get this, this offense score? And there was a guy on here who knew what to do with, with rhythm, with personnel, and with, with uh, necessarily getting Mitch in the right place that he needed to be. And Matt Nacky held that back, and you basically wasted a whole year uh, of, of all these, these players and, and getting to the end of a year where you know you're not going to be able to sign Allen Robinson and keep all those players that you have on the defense. Yeah, and to bring it back to what you said earlier about who kind of has to pay for this, you know, it's really likely right now that the Bears are going to go 8-8 eight and eight if that Green Bay game is them playing at their full strength with their starters. And that means you're the same record two years in a row, and you fired a bunch of coaches trying to fix this offense that was going to get you above 8-8, eight and eight, and then you're still at the same spot. So do you just fire more assistance? I'm with you. You gotta. I think you gotta get somebody high up, and then that's where it gets really interesting. Because I totally agree with your Matt Nagy assessment. But then do you let Ryan Pace, with one year on his deal, sign another head coach, and basically give him a third or what is this fourth chance? Is this his fifth, his sixth chance? Like third, my it'd be his goodness, third, it'd be his third head coach. All but right. it, it, it doesn't even feel like he's he's only had a few chances. It seems like he's had so many chances, especially if you. Ca- it's almost like with dogs, you know, a dog at three is like twenty or something like that in human years. Yeah. Ryan Pace's. Years as NFL GM, he's been there for six. It's really been 20. And he has just been there way too long. And then what do you do? Do you give him another head coach to try to do something else? And if they win, extensions galore. <laughs> You're right. And listen, I'm I'm fearful of that. But this is out. Let me let me play devil's advocate for Ryan Pace. So you telling me my quarterback could do this? Because people have been dragging me through the mud, right, for years, right? And I've got – listen, I brought you in here to show up to fix this kid, and you telling me this kid could do this? Now, listen, the benching may have played a part in what happened. 
You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. Mitch facing his playing mortality as a Bears quarter, as a, as a starting quarterback for the Bears, I'm sure it helped him figure out if you everything that we've, we've been hearing. Well, now his voice is being heard more. Or he he's he's speaking with a louder voice, I should say. You know, so rather than just being a, a, a getting along guy, it's also like a listen. I'm, I'm telling you what's going on and what works for me type of guy, right? So if that happened, cool. I can't put putting that all on Matt Nagy, but still, I got to pin a lot on him because you could score points with Mitch, and you didn't do it the way that you felt demonstrated what your coaching philosophy was. And that's really messed up. I, I, that It's really, really, like, because it's not just Matt Nagy, it's the careers of those other coaches and those players that are under him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That, you know, listen, if he gets fired, thinking about, listen, if he causes a regime change, right? Think about what could happen to the defense, what could happen all over the team, and those people are trusting you, and you didn't do what's best for them and yourself because you're trying to prove a point that you had some expertise, which you've proven that you do not have whatsoever, which again, I want both of them. I want to have Phillips too, but definitely if, if you're only going to get one, unfortunately he has to be one. I'm with you though. Ron Pace doesn't deserve another chance, but I, I guess the catch 22 that bears are in is this, and this is what they're going to use. So what happened if we keep Mitch and Bill Lazor together? Right. Right. There we go. There you go. You know what's coming. There you know we what go. Kind of, what if we keep them together? Uh, my, one of my fears are, is there's now tape of Mitch in a, a Matt Nagy philosophy, but Bill Lazor called system, right? And more people are going to start figuring out d- different ways to kind of stop Mitch, you know what I'm saying, from, from being able to execute this. The more and more games that they've they played, let alone going to next season, when they have a whole offseason to kind of look at the, the kind of uh, uh, strategies that they use and the scheme that he uses. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. And, and, and it feels so Chicago to kind of be caught in this, this type of catch 22. Yeah, it is cliche bears to the absolute utmost. Ugh, it drives me insane. And I, you know, I think that that week 17 game, it, it's silly as it sounds. We know the McCaskies hate losing to green Bay. That's mm-hmm. one of their ultimate and to me, that, sh- that should be a huge game. Like, if you really want to fool yourself into, oh, let's bring Mitch back and just run what we're running and everything will be A-OK. I mean, the offense would be much better with Mitch r- running this type of way because, as you see from defenses, they're afraid of stopping the run because of Mitch. They have to have a spy on him, all that. And if you get Mitch on the rollout, he's much more accurate. He can use his legs. But I still wonder... You know, are you going to still be able to hit all those deep shots? Is he going to be able to perform against a playoff team? Because, you know, I definitely think Mitch can be the mighty bum slayer of the NFL. I, I think he has that ability. Bums! Right. Let me just stab. Yeah. Use his legs. Run all over your ass. But can you beat that good team? Like, that game potentially – Against Green Bay is going to be win, and you're getting the playoffs. If he lays an egg, uh, I I think it's so bears that they'll be like, oh, well, look look at those last four or five games. Like he was pretty good. He just he only couldn't beat the Packers. And, and just right. like, are you? Is that solving a problem? Are you actually getting better because you bring back Mitch? You bring back an offensive coordinator that's going to run more of his style. 
yes, that should make this team better, but you've got issues on defense. you still got plenty of issues to figure out on offense. Like, is Allen Robinson going to be here? Is this offensive line even good enough to beat some of these really good teams? Like, sure, they can beat up on a terrible Houston front that has all kinds of injuries. Sure, you can beat up on a Minnesota front that has all types of injuries and young players. Even Detroit, you can beat up on that kind of front where really they're not in the right scheme and they got rid of their defensive coach. So they're running something that is just basic compared to what they were trying to do before. That doesn't, it just doesn't do it for me personally. Let me ask you this, going to the offensive line. I brought this up on uh, Sean and Maya's show yesterday. We were interviewing Sean and I was interviewing uh, uh, Beth Missler Elmore. Um, with the offensive line now, I guess you, most of her stays at center. Oh, yeah. But your best offensive lineman was playing left guard but Cody's White, Cody Whitehurst back over there doing his thing. So now do you move James Daniel when he returns from the pectoral injury over to right guard? I think I would. I mean, it kind of just depends uh, because James, I didn't think he was playing super great quite yet, but he's improving a lot. And he was getting to a point where you're, where you're starting to feel more comfortable with him. Cause I, I forgot who it was I was it the Rams game uh, this it year third, it was third or fourth game. I feel like when he got hurt, but right. He was killing at the beginning. Yes. Like he was, he, he was, was killing. I don't want to put any, any shame on the James Daniels name, but I think there was a game before he got injured where he got whooped a little bit by an all pro stud. And that's okay. where I feel his development's at. He's still not quite there. But another year, and remember, this guy's like 21. Like, he's just going to turn 22. He's super young, and maybe that's part of the problem is he's got to develop that man's body, and it's just not coming super quick. But if he's got that athletic profile for the right guard spot, I'd be fine with it. But definitely, if you think James Daniels, he is a guy that is going to flourish at left guard, I would keep him there and then move Cody Whitehair to right guard. But you can't mess with Sam Mustafer at this point because this guy, I love his makeup, you know, coming from Ohio State, going up against all pros and doing it. Or I'm sorry, yes, Notre Dame doing it against all pro types, going up against really good competition in a very sophisticated offense with Brian Kelly. I, I like how he's just been a solid anchor and that hasn't been the case when James Daniels has been there and when Cody Whitehair has been there you still have to worry about the snapping issue and that's something you don't have to worry about with Mustafer. so I'm with you Mustafer has to stay at center you have to see what you got with this kid and keep developing him and then you got to figure out what's best for James Daniels and Cody Whitehair which until the last few weeks the Bears weren't really concerned about what's best for their players Mm, good point. So, of course, I'm sure you got the Bears beating the Jacks this weekend. Yeah, I, that just – can they even lose that one? Like, that doesn't even seem possible, right? No, it doesn't. I mean, listen, uh, unless they rest players, uh, you know, and that would be the only thing when you look at – like. <laughs> When you look at the fact Khalil that Leo Max taking the week off, that's what getting ready say. for the Pro Bowl that's not going to be played. Because then you're going to see. I, I feel like if they if they rest their two best defensive players, or probably top, Akeem Hicks is in the top two. I, sometimes well, Khalil is too, but I feel like um, I feel like Kyle Fuller is is in the top three uh, now this season without with his play or with him and Roquan. They're all the top four. All those players are the top four. But if you rest the two guys that are in the uh, when you look at Khalil Mack and and uh, Akeem Hicks uh, who are fighting injuries, I think that Robinson and whoever 
is play a quarterback is going to show you something. Like, I don't think you should take this Jags team uh, like lightly to the fact where you can sit there and sit some guys out and think that you can just walk up in there and do whatever you want to do. Uh, but still, I mean, with them scoring 30 or averaging 30 points these last three, three games, uh, who am I? You know what I'm saying? And then I, I would say, lastly, um, what do you, what's your prediction for what happens at the end of the year? Well, one quick thing on the Jags too. The Jets freaking beat the Rams. The Rams right. are a better team than the Bears are. The Bears, and the Jets right. are probably a worse team than the Jags are. So anything's possible if that's the case. Uh, in terms of end of the year, uh, I mean, for me, I, I think you got to do changes. Like I just, I don't like how things are set up. I don't like who's picking the next quarterback. You're going to be in the middle of the first round at best. And this is a guy that likes to trade away draft picks, but I think Ryan Pace is safe. And mm -hmm. if Ryan Pace is safe, then it comes down to, like you said, Matt Nagy becoming the most kind of like obvious candidate to be let go, even though he has two years on his deal and Ryan Pace only has one. And I just, I keep coming back. Like you're going to have this guy get another coach. I'm sick of Ryan Pace getting this pass on John Fox. I get it. The guy was put on him. But did you have to stick with him for that long? Like, wh who is forcing you to keep guys that you don't want to keep? And then Matt Nagy was totally your guy, and he was probably worse than John Fox. And John Fox had way worse of a roster than Matt yeah, Nagy. I was about to tell you, yeah. You give John Fox this roster, it, I mean, even with his run-first mentality, they're going to be better than what Matt Nagy Probably. Maybe they don't know? get to 12 and 4. Right. They're probably nine and seven, nine and seven, ten and six. I think they probably get ten wins that first year, uh, but I don't. But I don't think they. I think last year you wouldn't have seen the drop because you would have had a professional person doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like regardless of how we feel about John Fox before he got here, his resume was it was it was it was pretty sweet for for, for somebody that we got as a, a Bears head coach that worked right. for as a head coach, when you're talking about what he did with the Panthers and then what he did when he was sitting there with Peyton Manning in Denver. Uh, so, like, you, yeah, I, I'm definitely with you when you look at that. I would say the people that... Yeah, what do you think? I think he had to keep them because, one, contractually, they don't want to pay coaches who aren't coaching their team. And also, they want to give John Fox a chance because they knew the team had been torn down so much to prove that he was the guy. And we know that Ernie Accorsi basically hired both of them. When it comes to well, he, old rug rat, yeah, he was the person that suggested I should say both of them for their job. So at that at that point, Ryan Pace didn't necessarily have the power power coming in. But like you said, he selected Matt Nagy, and that falls squarely on him. And partially, I'll say this: part of the reason, and of course, because of Sean McVay, young offensive play calls. Even though Matt Nagy had a, a very limited time at play calling, became the sexy option, and usually does for the most part. Um, but you also probably went with a guy that had done it before because you wanted to make sure that you kept some power that you didn't have when you had John Fox calling down there. And you, you know, you couldn't just tell John Fox anything. Cause we remember the Mitch shenanigans when John Fox basically didn't even know they was going to draft Mitch Trubisky. Right. right. So, you know, I just, I'm with you though. I, I think you should clean house. I think you should try to keep uh, the youngest assets that you have uh, in that, I would still try to hold on to an agent, Khalil, not Khalil Mack, an agent. I said I wouldn't try to hold on him. And you, you have to right now anyway. Uh, agent Akeem Hicks, uh, because I, I don't think you can just find players like that, even as he gets older and, and more injury prone. Um, I, but 
Do you think anybody will be getting let go? Or do you think the band's coming back? Because I, I think there's a good chance the band's coming back. I think it's, I got to go with a good chance too. Uh, but Mad Nag is the guy, I think, if anybody's going to have to go or anybody does go, I think it'll be Matt Nagy. Um, just because I think Ryan Pace kind of got out of it with seeing Mitch play well. I think if Mitch doesn't play well, and again, I'm not absolving Ryan Pace for selecting Mitch when he should have selected the other two quarterbacks, at least Deshaun Watson. No one knew Patrick Mahomes was going to become right. a baby go. All right. So like if you're coming out of Texas Tech in that system again, and most of us know that you no know, Patrick Mahomes looked at it as being turnover prone and who could fix him. And only Andy Reid and Sean Payton, in my opinion, or perhaps uh, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Shanahan, uh, Brian Shanahan. Oh, yeah. Yes. Those are the only people that I have right now outside of maybe a Sean McVay, but I want to put Sean McVay at, at the lofty reaches of those other offensive play callers. Uh, but you should have selected Deshaun Watson by, by all means. Um, especially and I'm sure, I guarantee we said that on the old Dean Davis show back um, in the definitely, day. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I, out of all of them. And I, I was an idiot. I wanted Deshaun, Deshaun Kaiser, which lets you know I didn't know what the hell I was talking about, basically. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's funny just thinking about it because, like, I just default went with Watson because I just saw him play Alabama two years in a row and won a national championship. But what do right. I know? And the year he didn't win, he he, he played him to the end. And listen, that, you, that year everybody was expecting Clemson to get slammed, and they were shocked that they kept in the game and almost beat Alabama. Dude, and the fact that last year that they won it, the fact that the beating that he took and kept getting up was it was like whoa. I remember uh, Sean Davis, producer at uh, ESPN One Thousand. He was big on the Bears to take Watson. Uh, we used to talk about it all the time back then. And clearly, he was right as far as the guys that were clearly uh, at the top of the draft. Because, again, we just said, I said what I said about Patrick Mahomes. But getting back to that, I think it still could cover Ryan Pace. But being like, I told you, my guy's, my guy's good. He, You know what? But, but then I would say if I was your, your employee, well, if your guy was good, why did you pick this person right here to be the person right. to coach that person up? So that still falls on you. But I and I would I don't also know. throw a little caveat. You know, if the Bears lose to the Packers, okay, if your guy's so good, all of a sudden, why couldn't he get us in the playoffs? Right. True. Like right. how how long do we have to wait for Mitch to really start winning consequential football games? Like he doesn't have a track record of that. What do you do in your quarterback situation next year, Ryan? Uh, I don't know. I I think like. It's not the worst idea to bring back Mitch if you really are keeping the band back together. But I go back to you got to draft somebody, and I don't know if I want anybody in the Bears brass drafting someone. So, all right, let me get you before we get out, before we switch over, let me tell you what was some of my thoughts real quick when it comes to the draft. Right now, with what you're going to be picking in the mid teens, mid to lower teens, right? Uh, because they won another game, they won a couple games. I think before. They had won a game. They was around like 14. Um, you were probably going to should draft a tackle. Um, with, you should try to see if you can jump back into the bottom of the first and look and see if there's a quarterback you like there. Because I, I think our guy. Hey, Ryan Pace, he loves doing that. Don't put it past yeah, him. Right. Because um, I, I think there's a chance our guy may be there because I think Zach Wilson's going over Trey Lance now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm, 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 especially when they get to the combine and, they, you know, with his cannon and with his feet, you know what I'm saying? I think, and, and playing against stiffer competition, 
I think uh, Zach Wilson's probably. And the question will be said if, if Trask uh, and Mac Jones, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got guys that teams, listen, remember Daniel Jones, you know, people. You know, not to say that everyone wasn't up on Daniel Jones, but before, going against going up, I mean, getting picked before Haskins was like, whoa, now nah, it was the right pick. Because you see with what Haskins uh, at the strip club, right. even though Daniel Jones was at the bar with Saquon Barkley, but still, that's not exactly, it's not an apples to apples comparison. Because <laughs> Haskins was better with the strip It's <laughs> okay to have a drink, just not some titties in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, you never know. Especially when we start to, people start evaluating these, these, these players, you know what I'm saying? So there's still a chance that you can get Trey Lance later because people are going to start holding against him his competition. They, they are. Because it, it, especially since all these other quarterbacks played this year and he didn't. You know what I'm saying? So... But you should go tackle and then try to look for uh, um, a, a, a quarterback if a desirable quarterback is there uh, at the the back end of the first or the top of the, the second round. You, you know, you 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 you're like um, Baltimore uh, when they drafted um, Lamar Jackson. They skipped him too. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't forget Lamar. Like, they skipped him too. They just jumped back up to grab him when he was still out there, and that would probably be the best case scenario. Uh, right now, but you you got to get a tackle. Like I know it's not the sexy pick, but you have to store up this offensive line from the edges, and uh, you can worry about one of these tackles, but you can't worry about both of them. Preferably, right. it'd be a left guy. Even if this guy starts at right at first, until you know you're you're ready to sit there and move him to left and bring somebody else in that place to replace uh, Charles Leno Jr. I think that's what you need to do. I totally agree. And if you're going to cut any of these guys somehow with the dead cap money and get room, they've got to get a quality backup left tackle that they can put behind this kid to either be a swing for either side. And you can, like you said, live with one of them. Because if you have those three that we talked about, white hair Daniels and Mussifer on the inside with a solid rookie tackle on the outside, that's four pretty solid offensive linemen. You can win with that. You don't need to have right. five all-stars. Oh, totally, 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 totally correct. All right, so let's switch over and get into a little bit of hoops. The NBA starts tonight. Uh, you got games with the, the Warriors are going to New Jersey. Not New Jersey. They're going to face the Nets in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Uh, and you have uh, the Battle of L.A. with the Clippers playing the Lakers in what should have been our Western Conference Finals in the yeah. bubble that did not take place because Paul George is a puppy. Yeah, that's why I'm not really that into the Battle of L.A. No one George is there. I, I'm with you. Um, and also, you know, if you go, starting off with that one, it doesn't it doesn't feel like anything because what if, if he has a good game? We know when it's when it when it's when when it counts in the playoffs. That <laughs> when has, P so let's has just say come out. Right. Like when playoff P, as you just said, like, you know, what does it really mean if the Clippers are good this year? If when 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 the ish hits the fan, they crumble, you know, but they have Tyronn Lue. Uh, I'm sure some of the voices tuned out uh, Doc last year, especially looking at the fact that you had two players coming in, getting uh, superstar treatment and one of them hadn't won anything. Or at least one of them had been the finals MVP twice. Uh, and those try-hard guys that had been there already at some point started to, you know, say, look at them a little bit sideways. Um, but it's still, it'll be interesting. But I don't, that like, I had a lot more love for the Clippers last offseason than I do uh, this season. And looking at the Warriors versus the Nets, it's the, the battle of Kevin Durant 
Um, I just want to see KD have a good, healthy game. I don't even care who wins this game. I guess I would probably prefer the Warriors to win because, I don't know, man, Ky- Kyrie sometimes, and I mean, he's a phenomenal talent. It's just sometimes it's, I'm just not in the mood for his antics. Um, so definitely I would like to see um, um, the Warriors probably win, but I want to see Ke- Kevin Durant have a, a really sweet game. Uh, and I, 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 I want to see a good Nets basketball team with those two stars on it, but I'm just not ready for them to have early success because I just don't feel like hearing Kyrie uh, be Kyrie, to say the least. Yeah, I, I don't know about you. I'm not I'm not feeling the NBA quite yet. I'm, I'm oh. feeling like it's a little too one-sided. Los Angeles Lakers, nobody else. And so He's- I'm, uh, I, I, I just... I need another competitor to the Lakers, a legit competitor. And uh, I don't know if I got that anyway. Yeah, uh, well, I'll say this. You look at the fact, and I, I'm the only legit competitor, but there's another year of Denver uh, getting older and getting better and knowing perhaps what they could do. Um, so that's, that's definitely one of those teams you have to look out for. Um, I don't see really looking at the West. I don't trust Utah to be able to dethrone the Lakers. Um yeah. I was I wondering maybe Dallas, but do they have enough defense? I was about to say the problem with Dallas is the defense. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the only issue when it comes to Dallas. And also, Chris Stapp's being healthy. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, he's got to be there. He's got, he has to be there to get over, not to get, you know, to give the Lakers some go, but to, to get over the hump. You need to have that seven foot machine gun out there dunking and shooting threes and whatnot. So, I mean, that is it's hard. I, I do, you could say perhaps some of the Eastern Conference teams. Um, if the Nets actually play to that level, you know what I'm saying? Maybe there's a chance. Um, mm-hmm. I can't see the Bucks doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hope the Bucks can sit there and make it to the finals, but I don't think their offense is dynamic enough to be able to pull off that against the Lakers. No. But also, let one last part. Hey, man, and I'm not saying they're necessarily going to fall off a cliff, uh, but Father Time is undefeated, and the Lakers have to stay healthy. You know, like, let's yeah. not forget, this is a shortened season um, LeBron has usually been LeBron has usually been injury free, but Anthony Davis hasn't. So yeah. you know what I'm saying, and that's just naming those two players, not some of the other players who have play, who played all the way into the finals and now are jumping right back in it. So th- there's still a chance out there. I don't think like this isn't the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant. You know what I'm saying? No, Where it's no, like no, there's no. no chance whatsoever. Like this, right. this necessarily isn't that. You know what I'm saying to say the least. But even though I want to bring it closer to home, the Bulls start tomorrow night. Um, well, one thing, one I'm thing sorry, I'm sorry. I right say, uh, mm-hmm. two teams I think I would kind of look out for, maybe trade deadline. If Boston could get a big that's like a, a big-time kind of big, like someone that really could matter, I think that they could be kind of a low-hanging team that maybe could get What kind of big are you talking up. about? What kind of big are you talking about? Give me a description. I, they need a rim protector, a guy that can score a little bit, not necessarily get his own shot, but somebody mm-hmm. that it can be a scorer, especially if Brown or Tatum are going to the rim, that they can clean things up, get rebounds. And I think they need some nasty, too. And that's usually where you get from the big man. So Tristan Thompson isn't enough? No. <laughs> I mean, no, because he kind of fits – what you just said, or he's a he's a guy that, you know, will sit there. I'm not saying like he's like the Kim Mutombo as far as being a rim protector, but he definitely will rebound. And he definitely has some nasty in his in him. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Don't get me wrong. He's much yeah. better than what they had before. Okay. okay. But I don't yeah. think that that's enough. I guess she's not a world one, beater. If 
Milwaukee could find a, one more offensive player. Not legitimate. Happened. They had it and they Some blew time. it. They blew I know, it with right. Bogdanovich. They, they I know. Blew it. But at the <laughs> trade deadline, if there's somebody there that they, somebody's dangling that they could get that's an offensive player, that especially if they can shoot, they really mm. need to be able to shoot. That's they could still maybe rise up, but uh, one last team I wanted to get your thoughts on your Miami Heat. Do you think that they are taking a step forward? Just kind of like the same. You know, I'll say this: they should, if they're healthy, they actually should take a step forward because of their youth. Like even even somebody like Bam should be a year better, but Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Kendrick Nunn should all be better. And, and they also this this is another thing too. As long as they keep uh, their 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 egos in check. They're in a culture that, you know, sometimes you don't know how a player's going to come back. Like, you'd be like, yeah. Like, remember, like, um, like four years, four or five years ago when uh, Paul Pierce was with the Washington Wizards. And they played well. And it was like, man, you know what? Next year. And I remember thinking then, like, nah, that type of team, you don't know year to year if the progression is going to sustain. You know what I'm saying? There may be some type mm-hmm. of regression. Now, the regression came and they didn't re-sign Paul Pierce as part of the reason there was some regression. But still, those two players in the, the, that backcourt, when you look at Bradley Bill and you look at, uh, um, um, what's his name? John, uh, uh, John James, Wall. Jake John Wall. They never really completely gelled together. Um, and so you see that from time to time with teams. But I think the opposite of the Miami Heat with their culture uh, in which the type of uh, tenacious a dogmatic player that your lead dog is a Jimmy Butler is not going to allow those young players to backslide. And it seems like they're following behind them. So they, they should, there should be some, as long as they're healthy, they should be some growth within from within side of that team because those players are better and they made it to the finals. So like, look, that's a different type of swag. You know what I'm saying? When you do that. So oh, yeah. if they can maintain their health and check their egos, they should be better than last year, but being better than last year does not say you're going to make it to the finals again. That's by no means am I saying that they're my odds on favorite to make it to the finals, but definitely they're 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 in that group of teams that's at the top of the East that you think necessarily has a chance. Some teams may have more talent, but if I ask you to choose between uh, the, the 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 Heat right now and the 76ers, even though the 76ers have more talent and seem like they have more stability with Doc Rivers there now and with Daryl Morey in the front office you still probably going to take the heat because you know what a bird in the hand is. You know what the heat is. We still don't know what the 76ers are. You know what I'm saying? So um, the heat are definitely there. I, I look forward to seeing what in particular Tyler, Tyler Hero does uh, this year uh, with the type of coming out party that he had last season. All right. Yeah, I wonder about them, but I'm with you. I think that's a good assessment. So coming here, the Bulls play tomorrow night. Well, today, when you're seeing this, Bulls play tonight uh, in Atlanta. They're going up against the the – the young, uh, uh, youngs. What's the up? Young Trey Youngs. Trey Youngs. I'm gonna have Blake on Trey Youngs first name. <laughs> young Trey Young. Young, uh, young TJ Huzmazada's son. Um, so they're gonna go up against them. Uh, it'll be interesting to see Kobe White go up against uh, Trey Young. Kobe White's been good this preseason, even though like John Wall was in his bag on him though that uh, first couple of games. It was like, whoa, Kobe. I mean, I know it's hard with any point guard in this league to stay in front of somebody, but man, it was like, this is bad business. But Kobe had a really good uh, preseason. But I think the biggest thing was the contract extension that did not take place Monday evening uh, with uh, Larry Markkinen and the Bulls being contract talks who have been said to be uh, far apart. But what are your thoughts on Larry Markkinen and the contract extension that didn't take place, Ryan? Yeah, it's... It's tough with Laurie because 
there, like you said, there was a point in time where he looked like the third or fourth best player in that draft behind like Donovan Mitchell and I forgot who the other one was. Tatum. Tatum, that's it. He looked great. And now he really is just for, it's almost like the Mitch thing we we're talking about. Like the games are starting to pile up on him and he's just a very average three-point shooter. He's not very good from the field, just average from there as well. He definitely has some skill, but it's like he's – and this was a, a knock coming out of college. People thought he was just too passive to be one of those kind of star players. Like he just – even at Arizona, he was never the feature. He was a part of the whole, and he, they tried to use him as a weapon because he had this ability to shoot and score being so tall. But they, it, the Wildcats weren't the Laurie Markkinen show when he was there <laughs> when ad was in college that was like ad was kentucky like right, you watch right. that for ad same with like john wall to marcus cousins like laurie markman never was that you thought maybe he could be that type of guy like donovan mitchell was where mitchell was a good player he wasn't the star player at louisville either and then he just exploded and became this really terrific nba player but Markkanen, I mean, he just keeps on regressing. And now I will give him some time, and that's why I'm glad the Bulls didn't give him an extension because I just don't think it's worth it to do it right now based on what we've seen. Billy Donovan, I think, is as good as basically anyone at trying to figure out what to do with him. So if he can't make it work here, doesn't mean that he couldn't be better somewhere else or that like maybe Eric Spolstra, who's a better coach, could do more with him. But Billy Donovan isn't a fool either, and he should be able to put him in a position to succeed, unlike the fool before, which was Jim Boylan. <laughs> but it's not translating in these early preseasons. So I think for Laurie, you know, like him and Wendell, they got to get with the program quick. Like they got to figure out what the heck their role is and start playing it because. If Zach and Kobe can score like they can in the backcourt and then you get a couple other guys below them that can do something, I mean, you can get to eighth spot in the East potentially. The East isn't this like juggernaut. It's, it's got some good teams at the top, but it's not. All you got to do is get to the 10th and get right. in playing. Right. There you go. And they can definitely get to 10th, you would think. I mean, how many more teams would you say are better than them in the East? Granted that they're not terrific. They're not this juggernaut team themselves, but with the talent that they have, the coaching now that they have, I mean, something's off, I think, if you have another similar season like you did a year ago from guys like Laurie, Wendell. You know, you might have to just move on. On the Wendell Carter front, because I want to talk about that, but I also realize I owe an apology. I was wrong. Um, Taysom Hill, since, since the last time we talked, had a game and a half where he balled out. Um, so let me give Taysom Hill his props, even though Drew Brees came back. <laughs> Let me give Taysom Hill his props. All right. Now I now I see you guys do have a quarterback there. Um, you know, so you, you, you I see I see Sean Payton. I, I see he's not he's definitely still not Steve Young, but you definitely have your quarterback. Now Wendell Carter. Man, if y'all don't stop with this Wendell Carter, listen, I hope Wendell Carter proves me wrong, like uh Taysom Hill shortly in his small sample size has. Uh, but man, if y'all don't stop telling me that he's this offensive juggernaut rating to be unleashed on the league. Um, stop it. You know better than that. You don't have to do those, tell us those stories. Uh, I just want him to be a rim protector and to be gritty as, 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 as Daniel Gaffer. That's why I want him to get some of that gaff, that, some of that red in him. 
You know what I'm saying? Start yakking on everything. Um, but yeah, when you're we're still talking about the, what could happen this season. Listen, if like you said, if Kobe White is this player and doesn't give up 20 points on the other end, uh, Zach continues to play defense the way he's been playing defense. Uh, he's been standing in front of cats really nice. He's put mad effort into standing in front of cats this year, getting through screens and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Not going behind, get going over the top of screens. And if he continues to play like that, okie dokie. You know what I'm saying? And if if uh, go, still going back to Kobe, he improves his defense. I know it's still hard being a young player, uh, also being, playing in the, the deepest position at point guard in the NBA. All right. Um, and then just looking at some of the, oh, the ancillary pieces, as you know, you got uh, you got Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams is is, is definitely improves his defense and is, is just a consistent uh, uh, fourth, fifth player, really. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if Wendell is good, you know, you, if Otto Porter stays healthy, you know what I'm saying? Like you, dog, you, 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 you got a chance to, to definitely crack into the playoffs. And uh, the crazy thing is this watching the Bulls games this preseason. I watch the Bulls games and the, the air feels different. And it's the same team outside of Patrick Williams. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But one, remember, they didn't give Kobe White his real shot till the, the pandemic happened, basically. Right. You know what I'm saying? And then unleash him. Uh, and, 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 and it just seems like even with the same players under new management and with a better coach, the results are going to be different. That's just how it seems. And it's sad because that means that you could have done this with the old regime. They just couldn't get out of their own way to let it come to fruition. You know what I'm saying? So that's the thing mm-hmm. that I think really sticks out to me uh, for the most part when when I when I think about that or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's going to be an entertaining season, especially as long as they stay healthy. And that's been one of the uh, issues with this team in the past is, uh, I, you know, just as far as health, training room, whatever, um, hasn't seemed always up to snuff. Um, and get, how to prepare these players and get them ready for them to all every year. It's been for the last three years. Our guys haven't played together. Our guys played together 15 games, 10 games are, you know, who the starting five is supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? And that's when you have to look inward and be like, what are we doing? That these guys are consistently getting hurt. All of them for the most part, or at least the key players. And they, they haven't been on the court with one another. So that's something that I hope, I help, I hope rather with the regime change that we'll see uh, uh, consistency, consistency when it comes to the health of the players. Yeah, and that's a huge part of the Bulls. They have to stay healthy. We haven't seen this group stay healthy at all since they've come together. So that's definitely number one. And like you were kind of saying, with the little changes, I mean, okay, let's say Kobe White isn't a great perimeter defender yet. You know, with Patrick Williams as a defender and Wendell Carter as a rim protector, you should be able to still figure out a defense that can work for you. And then when you get on the break with Zach and Kobe and Patrick Williams, I mean, they should be they should be able to have some strengths for once, and that's not something we've seen a lot of from Bulls teams in recent memory. It's usually they just don't do anything particularly well whatsoever. I agree. I totally agree. All right. Right. You know what time it is, right? I do. It's time to go up for grabs. Ryan Bisky, what do you got for us? Well, we're going to stick with hoops for my two up for grabs. And my first up for grabs is dealing with the beard, James Harden. And, star James. I mean, stripper James. Yeah, it's it's looking inevitable at this point. He's apparently throwing basketballs at rookies and he's uh, hey, not so laid back like he was before. Uh, apparently a slew of teams have come on to start. Just reach out. I heard it was like the Nuggets, uh, a couple other teams like that 
where you're kind of that middling with uh, some good young talent and maybe some draft picks that they can give to Houston. So what do you think? How does this James Harden saga end? Does he finish with Houston? Is he a trade oh, deadline? Man. Oh, it's not a chance in hell. He ends this season as a Houston Rocket. Um, Tillman Fertitta, oh, you know, you can say uh, management, but Tillman Fertitta put out that they're willing to let things get uncomfortable. Guess what, to, what What James Harden is letting you know? So am I, and I'm going to show you how uncomfortable it can really get because right. I'm out here with no mask in the strip club and I can come in here and affect this whole team, let alone just not with my <laughs> attitude, but with the Rona. All right? Like, right. <laughs> John Wall, <laughs> Boogie, y'all, you got, you got uh, Kentucky back down here. <laughs> like, just, just, he's showing you the amount of control in a, um, a player's league that he has. And that's with a player that's under contract for two more seasons. So how far are you willing to let him torpedo what you're trying to build now down there? Like, so you just, I mean, again, they're in the West. So this season was going to be a wash anyway when you have two players coming off of injury to look at as being your, your, your most important players if James Harden isn't there and Boogie Cousins and James Wall. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to look at them as necessarily being a team that you think could uh could, could really be a, a bona fide, I won't say a playoff contender. I won't say a contender, but playoff contender. You know what I'm saying? Out West. Because we know, you know, good teams. Look at, look at San Antonio. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, they're they're a good team. They're just out West where they're a well-coached team. They're just out West. They don't have the type of talent uh, that Pop really needs to get them back to where necessarily they, they need to be. Um, I think now what's happening, because you talk about the teams, and it doesn't mean that it's, they're totally out of it, but it was reported yesterday that the Heat are like, we good, we're not in this no more, right? And I, I think partially it's to let those players, the Heat players, relax because – those young players know, listen, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson know they're in that trade at Kendrick Nunn or some parts of that outside of the older players that they need to, to, to match the dollars of James Harden. But they know, like, dude, I, I may be out of here at any moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, what are, are we going to sit here and try to get back to contending or am I on pins and needles waiting to see am I moving uh, for James Harden to come here or whatever? And also when you look at the Heat, I think they only have their 2027. 20, they only have like a 20. They got a late. A first round pick from years away that that think that they have necessarily left to throw in a trade like that. I think this increases the Nets' chances because what's going to happen is what's going to happen is with James Harden's actions, some teams are going to worry if they're going to take on that type of um, problem. Like, okay, I'm Team X. James Harden, you got two more years on you. I'm gonna trade for you and bring you here. Hopefully, we can get you to want to stay here, right? James tells us, tells you, I don't want to go there. You trade for him anyway. And he comes there and he does some of the same stuff he's doing in Houston. And let alone, let's say you have a, you have a good locker room and he implodes that locker room. So our team's going to be willing to take that risk uh, with James Harden. And the only teams that I think are going to be willing to do it are the teams that know that if they get him, he'll probably act right like Daryl Morey will with the Sixers and with uh, the Nets with Kevin Durant, knowing that he wants to be with Kevin Durant. I think it... I think it, it 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 strengthens those teams' chances, particularly the Nets, of getting James Harden because of James Harden is he's he's literally forcing his way there. That's what to me uh, is is what's going because you you really need to get him out of there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, now listen, I don't think it sets a good precedent for the NBA to where players and I, and I, I get why you don't want them to destroy your locker room, but I, I think you, your, your contract says you're supposed to be here this many years. Um, just think about the fact that. You told me to hire Paul Silas Jr. And now you don't even want to play for him, right? I was going to go get 
Van Gundy back down here and do what I wanted to do. Because I could have just did me. You wanted to leave. You you, you didn't, you, you know what I'm saying? Like you, I could have just done me, prepared this team the way I want to prepare this team since you had basically checked out. And every year we've given you what you wanted and we traded away all our, our first round picks to, to, to bring in uh, a Chris Paul, well, really to bring in, uh, um, uh, um, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Russell Westbrook from OKC last year. Like we, we traded away our future and now you're going to, you're going to dip on us. And it's like, dude, you, you, this, you saw me a false bag of goods. So I, I get Tillman Fertitta's frustration, but in wanting to go chest to chest with your, your, your star player, man, when push comes to shove, it's, it's a player's league and he's probably going to get what he really wants. I mean, and I, I don't like it um, because I feel like the, the, the problem with Houston a lot of it falls on James Harden. You saw the article that came out last week about them letting him do whatever he wants to do. Um, a lot of that, and it, it goes to the degree he's willing to go to to be uber successful. He definitely wants to be successful. Uh, he's a player that's always out there, that's rarely injured, plays through injuries basically. So you know he wants to be successful, and but he like and he likes to enjoy the fruit of the fruit of his spoils. But does he want to be one of the the, the, the talented? Tenth of just you know what I'm saying like I'm I'm the, of winning I should get I should say not talent of winning and he hasn't necessarily come off like that and that falls upon him. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with what you're saying. I can't wait to see what happens. Do you have a, a favorite team for James Harden? That you is I, it the Nets? I think, I think it's the Nets now. I think it's. I mean, I, I don't know. Me too. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, dude, I that what they send him back. You got it. You have to get a third team involved in that. But I just think it's how it's looking. And if he keeps going this way, I think it's the But I also think there's a chance that Tillman Fertitta, even though, you know, Tillman Fertitta definitely doesn't want to give Daryl Morey James Harden. But I think I'd rather send him to Philly because, you know, his heart of hearts, he wants to be a net. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think if James Harden, if he was a free agent, he would sign with the Nets. You know what I'm saying? And so... That's where I would say, you know what, at least I'm not going to let you go exactly straight to where your heart of hearts wants. Yeah, this is your second place, but it's better than me sending you there. Plus, I mean, if you can get back Ben Simmons, because like if you tell me I can get uh, Carol Savert and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and whatever else y'all throwing at me and I can just have Ben Simmons, I'm taking Ben Simmons every day and twice on Sunday. How about our second question up for grabs? The NBA in general, we've been talking about it kind of loosely. What a one bold prediction from you for this NBA season? Mm, that's a good one right there. Bold prediction. Um, hmm. You know what? I'll say this. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm going to be right, but I'll make a bold prediction. Luka Doncic won't be the MVP this year, and the mm. reason the reason I'll say that is I don't know why. It just hit me last week. <laughs> it hit me because I, I totally believe he's going to win the MVP uh, at least two times in his playing career if he stays healthy. All right. But the one thing is, I don't think Giannis is going to win it three times in a row. I think Giannis is going to fall up and get, get what Jordan went against, what uh, LeBron goes against, where it's like, you know what? That's about enough. You know what I'm saying? Especially when you're not winning titles. You know what I'm saying? And just be racking up MVPs like that. Um, so I think Giannis won't win it because people are going to be tired of him. So that should help Luca. But I feel like there's a dark horse out there that we're not, we don't even know about. that's going to explode uh, this year and, and, and maybe be, get a chance to, to, to usurp Luca and what seems like should be his coordination and take that MVP away from him. Okay. My bold prediction 
is going to be the Phoenix Suns replace Oklahoma City for the playoffs. Mm, that's not a bold prediction, As Ryan. the fifth seed. Oh, now that's kind of bold right there. I got okay. I'll take that one. I'll take that. That's a jump. I mean, but that's a that's a jump in the West. That's a jump. That'll be a pretty good jump for Phoenix to to make that move. Uh, they definitely have enough talent to just, just can they keep it together. Um, but yeah, I, I like that one. That's a good one. I mean, with that team, um, when you already know what you got in Booker, Devin Booker, and if you know DeAndre Ayton is kind of rounded out, but thinking about how it's going to be Lob City. 3.0 basically with with Chris Paul down there. Uh, it'll definitely be interesting to see how that team adjusts together with Monte Williams uh, being such a, a nice young, a nice head coach. So yeah, I, I can I can vibe with that one. Yeah, I think uh, you know OKC falls down, especially with the loss of Schroeder and they're rebuilding with Chris Paul and all that stuff gone. Chris Paul, great leader, perfect I think fit for what the Suns want. <laughs> And then, like you said, I think a bunch of guys are going to improve, like AKA DeAndre Ayton. He's going to love having Chris Paul around. You got that closer. Mm-hmm. I like him. I like him. I think that they can go on a huge jump this year, and they're really athletic, long. I, I like a lot what they got. Yeah, especially when you see what Chris Paul did in OKC to where he had the ball, but he didn't have necessarily have to have the ball all the time, where it's like he's leading the league in assists or even in the top in assists where he could share it with uh, Schroeder and uh, Shea Gillers Alexander in the way that he did last season. So it, when you have a guy that needs the ball like a Devin Booker, yes, you want to make it easier for him by setting him up. But sometimes you just got to clear out and get out of his way. I think Chris Paul is, is showing that he's ready to be that guy. He showed it in Houston with James Harden. But also since his last four years, three years with the Clippers and his perimeter shooting has become so much better, you know what I'm saying? That to have that guy now is sitting out there, book penetrates and kicks out. You got a guy that can knock down the three like Chris Paul, let alone you can reverse it and they can do the same thing for one another. So I'm, I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely I'm definitely with you on I'm high on that. I can't wait to get on live and play with that team. Uh, yeah. I mean, not not live or 2K, I should say. 2K. 2K. I just aged myself. I just aged myself. 2K. NBA live. The NBA live. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Get in the game. All right, Ryan. So. That's it for up for grabs. That's it for up for grabs. Uh, the closing segment. I definitely want to talk a little bit about the White Sox. I believe it's Yoquai. Yoquai. Suspensus. Us. Now I got me tongue tight. Yoannis. I had to say Yoannis too. Yoannis Suspensus. Cespedes, 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 number one international player, even though he was signed as a free agent by the White Sox, 23 year old, got a two, two million dollar contract, uh, line drive guy, but he's put on like 20 pounds of weight. Um, Five well, he's anything like Yoannis. He's hit like him. I still get nightmares of that 2015 Same. run against the Cubs. Changed his hidden uh, motion, Ryan, and now it looks like Yoannis, right? Mm-hmm. And like when I first saw, it, I was like, "Whoa, he, he he hits like his brother." Now I was listening to the narrator; was like, "Yeah, he, he changed his motion. It looks like his brother's motion." I was like, "Oh, yo!" So I wasn't tweaking. I, I was definitely right. So an uh, out corner outfielder probably won't be up for at least a year and a half, a couple years. Um, but five toolsy, just another Cuban, a black African Cuban that coming to the team. Boy, Jose Abreu, he needs his own office. Uh, right. Guaranteed rate. 
right? Him and no, Minnie Minosa needs his own office. All right. That's start start with the grandpa all this. All right. Oh, Jose can have Jose can have a room next to it, but give Minnie Minosa his, his they have that attached door, like you said, right, hotels. Right. Yeah, give him give, <laughs> give Minnie Minosa his props. Uh, also with with the fact that the MLB uh now has said that the, the, the Negro League is a major league. Uh, operation it, it helps Mini Minosa because that those stats now join his uh, major league stats. So shout out to Mini Minosa, man, uh, great tr- contributor to uh, Cuba and to uh, black people in general. But on a sadder note, well not sadder, but on a, 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 a pissed off note, uh, Tony Russa uh, copped his plea. He said this: I brought this on myself uh, I, during a, a, a press call. I feel a, a deep remorse and regret over what I did. I'm grateful for the White Sox for standing by me. Even though this happened before they hired me, I really feel like I let them down. And when I read that, you just couldn't just couldn't be humble, could you, Tony? Right? Mm-hmm. You're like, you know, listen, I'm happy they cool with it, but, yo, know, I wasn't even working here when I did that shit. Like, you just couldn't stay total line, could you, Tony? Good old Mr. I'm a member of the Hall of Fame baseball person. Yeah, right. Could you just see couldn't. this ring? Right. You see this ring? Now, look, he was asked, did he have a drinking problem? He said, I know I don't have a drinking problem. Just like I know I made a serious mistake in February. And where I'm right now is to prove that I don't have a drinking problem and prove it every day off the field, I'm going to handle it. And what's painful and clear to me is if I drink, I will not drive. The alternative, there's always an alternative, have a car service, lift Uber, or have a friend. And you didn't know this at 70-something years old already. I don't have a problem with drinking. I got a problem driving while I'm drinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's so blurry, you know. It's so so blurry. Back in the day, on those St. Louis highways, I was able to do a pretty nice Phoenix, though. It's different out here. Right, right. So that was that's my little White Sox update of what's taking place as we move on. Boy, I just hope uh, for that team that he is not that consummate distraction all the time or being the issue. I don't think he will be. I, I, again, I, I, I'm looking um, with my glass half full. Um, still, as you I, should. I'm I think still, he's still a Hall of Fame yeah. general, Hall of Fame manager. This isn't some Hall of Fame person. Hey, have you seen this? <laughs> yeah. Is this right? <laughs> Give me a drink, <laughs> So uh, yeah, I've come. I've, I've been feeling like how you just said. I feel like you know what? It's Tony Rusa. Um, he should know what he what needs to be done. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm still not happy he's the guy, but I'm getting over it and just trying to get looking forward to seeing some baseball this springtime. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting with that team because they are talented as you know what. You know what? And <laughs> as long as he can just press the right buttons and not, in a way, press the right buttons like Tim Anderson or something like that. Right. I mean, they should be good. Right. I totally agree. I totally agree. So, all right. We are back. Uh, we're going to give this to you consistent again, and hopefully we're going to bring you some vast improvements uh, going into the new year. So definitely sit down and chill with you guys, Ryan and myself, to give you a little entertainment, a little bit of sports, and also as we bring you flipping friends for laughter and politics and things of that nature. You be safe this holidays. Um, hopefully don't go out and be with a bunch of people you're not usually around in your household. I know you miss your family members, but it's more important to keep them alive and keep your friends alive and perhaps keep yourself alive. Uh, but definitely Ryan and me appreciate you spending some time with us. Everybody comfortable? 
Yeah. Get your ass up when I'm talking. Hey, take it easy. It's showtime. It's showtime. Yeah. Feel the magic and soul of the YBs. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Take two. All right, that Davis show, lucky enough to be joined by Elliot Serrano, Chicago's king of geeks. So I guess I'm one of his peasants, unfortunately. Right, so so you, can, you can be on my, uh, you can be in my, uh, my, uh, my parliament, you know, okay. you can be part of the I'll parliament. Take, I'll take that. And also make sure that you get the, the, the Grumpy Cats Onibus box set that's coming out. All right. First of all, with that real quick, Elliot. It's, it's all of the grumpy, grumpy cat uh, comic books that are going to be inside of this, correct? This box set. This omnibus collects every grumpy cat story that was published uh, the year before last, which was like a first. These books are really hard to find. The original run of grumpy cat was went off like no one expected. Um, it was a top seller, not only in comic shops and in bookstores, but on Scholastic of all things. Really? Can I tell you what a, what a buzz it gives you to see something that you've worked on selling next to Harry Potter and Captain Underpants? Okay. I'm telling you. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's all the, all the grumpy cat stories my, by myself. Um, um, and a whole, a whole bunch of other writers. And um, it, it's it's a great big collection of the entire um, saga of Grumpy Cat, which hopefully will lead to more stories. Uh, but if you uh, were looking for them, I say the Grumpy Cat book in, in itself, um, even if you didn't really know the memes so much, uh, you know, um, they're still out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still a great series. It's a great uh a young reader series, a lot of stuff that I wrote, I wrote for all ages. Um, there's jokes that the kids can get jokes that grownups will get. And um, it's just a fun, it's like, let's say if grumpy cat was turned into a cartoon and then they decided to do a comic book adaptation of the cartoon, that's what the comic book is. And it's, okay. um, it's, it's really, it's a lot of fun. So I, I highly encourage folks to get out, go out and get it. Especially if you've been looking for the original comics and I go looking for the original comics on eBay and on Amazon, and man, are those prices through the roof. Um, so I'm like, oh, okay, I'm grabbing a bunch of omnibuses because I have lots of friends who go, Elliot, can you sign Grumpy Cat for me? Sign. I go, if you get it, I'll sign it for you. But if you know, if you need me to get it for you, you have to wait a little while. Look, let me ask you this when it comes to Grumpy Cat. And you just said the type of vein the comedy is in, or at least the parts the boo that you are the lead writer on. So is this kind of like when we're talking about like today for the kids today, like Teen Titans Go, Animaniacs, and, and, and uh, stuff like that, where it's like you look at it like it's a cartoon for children, but the jokes, you kind of got to be old enough to get the reference of what the jokes necessarily are. Okay. Oh yeah. I mean, because like there, there are a lot of the writers who were working on it were, were way into comic books and science fiction. So we did things like have Grumpy Cat be a superhero. Um, and one of mine, mine was like an homage to Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where Grumpy okay. Cat meets aliens from outer space who <laughs> essentially come down and judge us okay. based on what Grumpy Cat thinks. 
which is, oh boy. <laughs> I also did one. I did uh, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but with Grumpy Cat. So if, so if, you know, if you didn't get that, like, you know, like little kids go, good, the bad, and the ugly. I don't, where, what's that? The, you know, the adults would be like, oh, yeah, it's that Clint Eastwood movie. Yes, so, yes. So it was stuff like that. Yeah. So my look, my last question on that: what What was the impetus? Who came up with coming up with Grumpy Cat? Was this your idea? Uh, who Who's 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 the first idea to come up with Grumpy? Cat? Man, I wish I could come up. I wish I could tr- take credit for that. Um, this was through uh, Dynamite Entertainment. That's the the publisher that I've done pretty much all my work through. Uh, my Army of Darkness run was with D- Dynamite Entertainment. Um, homies to Dynamite. Um, they approached me actually. Um, um, the, they approached me and asked if I'd be interested in writing for it because I'd done all this work for them. And you know, I'm, I, I like writing jokes. I mean, a lot of my stuff is very humor based. And they said, you know, we're doing a Grumpy Cat comic book, and would you be interested? And I even said, I thought to myself, I didn't say this to them. I thought to myself, I go, a comic book? Wait, the this is the the cat, right? With all the memes. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love cats. And I thought the memes were great, uh-huh. but, I, but I'm going, can we really make a comic book out of this? And I thought, I, I mean, I honestly, my initial thought was, this is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Mm. But then I said, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Sure. I'll do it. You know, they asked me, so I'll do it. I'll give it a shot. And then when I started seeing the character designs and how the whole thing was put together, I'm there going, Oh, see, now this is brilliant. Now I see where why they thought it could be a comic book. Okay. And, uh, and I'm so grateful because it's, it's, again, outside of Army of Darkness, it is the most, my most successful work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's so, every time I, I would have it with me and I'd go to conventions and I'd bring stacks of Grumpy Cat comics with me, you know, they'd sell out. The, the kids would want to, you know, the parents would buy them all up for their kids and um, they'd have me sign them for the kids. Oh, and a, a, another great thing about signing a Grumpy Cat comic book, again, back to the humor of it all, is um, I would say, OK, do you want me to just sign it to you as myself or do you want me to make it like if it's from Grumpy Cat? And the kids are always going like, no, make it from Grumpy Cat, Grumpy Cat. Which pretty much gives me license to insult them. I can, I can write like an insulting thing like, this is my comic book. I met you at Comic-Con. It was terrible. <laughs> and they love it. They love it. I'm like, okay. So um, that, that was the humor of it. The kids loved it. I enjoyed it. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. So hopefully, hopefully the omnibus people buy it. It's uh, through Blaze, uh, Blaze Publishing. Uh, they've got the license now for all the Grumpy Cats, um, Grumpy Cat stories, and um, and hopefully they'll start a new series after that. Because I think um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, Grumpy Cat, you know, rest in peace. She she passed away over a year ago. Um, uh, you know, keeping her memory alive and keep the stories going. She's a great character to work with. So I hope they do some more. All right, that Davis show with Elliot Serrano. Follow him at Elliot Serrano as we talk about him making fun of kids as his grumpy cat character, just tagging on these little, these little, little, little bastards. But they that. love it. It's like, <laughs> oh man, and they're laughing, and the parents are laughing too. You know. You <laughs> but look, look, we have to get into the reason why I asked you to come on, and that is the Mandalorian season two. Uh, was my son had the audacity. I, I, I pulled him into we. I should say we pulled him into the Star Wars world. We made we would go look at the sequels together. The last one we didn't go see at the show. I, no, maybe the second to last one was the one we didn't go see at the show. Uh, none of them were great. 
Um, I wasn't as upset as everyone else, but they still missed the mark uh, to some degree, to say the least. Um, But my son said that after we watched the last episode, he said that uh, season one was better than season two. I mean, old lady looked at him like, what the hell are you talking about? Right? Like, (laughs) did you just see Yoda walk off with Luke Skywalker? Also, uh, uh, I have to say the spoilers, 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 spoilers. Yeah, you just if dropped you, the biggest spoiler right there. If you, have, it's going to be on the post. It'll be on the post. So before <laughs> that, that, if you have not watched any, let alone all of season two of The Mandalorian, you should not listen to this interview if you care not to be spoiled, to say the least. Dude, I mean, let's face it. If if you haven't seen the episode by now, but you've been on the internet, you've been spoiled. There's no way around it. It's already out on it was out on social media. A whole bunch of websites already started throwing up their reviews. And even though they, quote unquote, put spoiler in the title, they, they said spoilers to come. Uh, Luke Skywalker. I'm like, see, you're right there. You put it in the, the, the header right there. You're <laughs> in your header. If you went on, a, on YouTube, a million, uh, all these channels suddenly were doing they were doing their uh, reaction videos to the scenes and and. And um, and someone also did their own deep fake, you know, improving on the, the CGI job that that Lucasfilm did. So. So, again, if you're if you're listening to this and you haven't been spoiled. Um, wow. Right. I want to learn how to, like, separate myself from the rest of the world like you're doing. I'm surprised I wasn't spoiled because I didn't watch it until Sunday, I believe, when I watched it. And I still hadn't, I wasn't, that's what I wanted to get it over with. Cause I was like, you know what, it's, I'm about to be spoiled. So let's get it over. So listen, uh, again, going back to my son, due to my son, uh, I was ended up watching, if not majority, all of Clone Wars and Rebels, the, the animations, right? And in, in that, it meant so much to me in this season of Mandalorian to see uh, Bo-Katan and Asaka. Uh, especially if it's just live action Asaka. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like if you've followed her from being Anakin's Padawan, to see her actually live in action and just kicking butt meant so much. So when you saw these characters in live actions, what were your thoughts? And did you also expect to see as many of these characters this season as you ended up, as we ended up seeing? Well, knowing that Dave Filoni was involved, um, I guess I should have, quote unquote, expected it. But, you know, there's a lot of what, what that this is. That's been the thing about this particular show is that playing with the expectations that we have. And they also have to run like a balance between bringing in these characters from the animated series and and but doing it in a way that if like, let's say you had never watched the, any of the animated series, it would still make sense to you. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think it was pretty I think it was expertly done. I mean, because like for me. And I knew Bo-Katan and I know Sabine and all that because I was like all about Rebels. Rebels was my show. I for some reason that one really clicked with me. Okay. Um, whereas Clone Wars, I can't. I haven't been able to make it through all of Clone Wars. I'm with you on that. I watched more. I, I think I watched all of Rebels, but I actually went back to Clone Wars a little bit at, in between Rebels. But I'm with you. I, I've seen majority of Rebels more than Clone Wars. Yeah. So I mean, like, and that's why I was thinking. It's funny, too, because uh, when you were, you know, you were talking about you didn't get spoiled. Uh, so you saw it. I was mildly spoiled just the morning of uh, the, the, the the when it premiered on Disney Plus, when the finale premiered on Disney Plus. It was in my freaking Yahoo um, news feed. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, yeah, the, the Jedi comes to rescue, you know, the Jedi that came to the rescue at the end of the season finale. And I'm like, 
ah, oh, crap. But, but, <laughs> but I wasn't thinking who it was. I was, right. I was thinking, and I wasn't, even thinking, I wasn't even thinking Ahsoka. Oh, I, thought okay. it was, I thought it was Ezra. I, I thought, thought okay, was- now we're going to see Ezra because Filoni already brought um, Ahsoka into the live action bit. And remember, there was all that talk on um, on social media a while back that one dude, I forget the actor's name, who said, if you're going to have a live action Ezra Bridger, I would be him. And he had a, even a picture of himself. He had a beard, looked really good. And I thought, ooh, wouldn't it be clever if that was all like to prime us for the idea of Ellen, Ezra showing up? That's the end. That's the that's the back end. We'll, we'll, we'll get back because I thought it was Ezra. So I thought I was going to be bringing this to the conversation. And you just threw that out, especially when we get to the... I'll say this part. When the saber came out, the family question was like, who has green? And I said the two people who have who, who historically had green because I wasn't expecting the other person to pop out, let alone because that, the, the actor said he wasn't going to be doing it again. So and that's with full regalia on. I'm still like, Ezra? <laughs> like, just a chance. The rest of the family is like, no, that's so-and-so. I'm like, is it you, Ezra? Right? Because I, I didn't expect that. But again, like I said, I definitely want to jump to that end. Uh, listen, as a as a kid growing up, I was I remember being a kid and um, Superman four was out, and my That's mother, yeah, my mother. I, uh, I just I just uh, bookmarked it on HBO Max because HBO Max has the, all the Superman movies. Oh, okay. On the offering under their sci fi adventure, and I saw it had Superman one, two, three, and four, and I was like, I have not watched Quest for Peace in. Forever, I'm like, oh, got to watch that one again because I know there are a lot of folks who hate that movie. Is that the Richard Pryor one, right? No, that's Superman three. Three, that's three. Okay, okay. okay. Actually, Superman three is the one I have a hard time with, right? But but Superman three does have the um, alcoholic Superman in it. You know, drunk Superman with the dingy Mm -hmm. uniform, and he's, you know, we've seen the animated GIF. You know, Superman drinking at a bar. That's where that one's from, but. Um, having a Superman four versus a nuclear man right. um, is one that a lot of folks hate, but I'm like, you know, the idea behind it is so good. Right. Um, so I've been wanting to go back and watch it, but I'm sorry. Go on. Especially at that time in the world when it comes to nuclear weapons and stuff like that. Right. But uh, look, so anyway, I remember being at the show when it was a, my mother, one of our friends and a bunch of us kids. And um, we were going to see Superman four. My mother asked me, do you want to see Superman four? And I was like, you know what? I want to go watch Return of Jedi again. Right. And I mean, I may have been three, right? I'm like before, like somewhere around in that era. And so, yeah. So when it was Superman three, and because I have a story about that, I will tell you. Please, please correct me. And and then tell me your story as soon as I as soon as I'm finished. Um, uh, So that movie, which as I grew older, I I could see the corny parts of it. As a kid, I, I enjoyed the Ewoks. But as an adult, it's like, where the hell did this come from? And why is this up here? Like, where, where did you just come from Empire? And this, this is taking place here. You know, but the point that I brought it up was that I never understood. I remember like Method Man growing up and people being like, my favorite character is Bubba Fat. And it's like, why? Now, mind you, I didn't grow up reading Star Wars comic books. And I don't know if Method Man did. I, I And I won't say he didn't, but I don't know if he did. But outside of that, I never understood why people had such an affinity for such a small, big character who the last time I saw him, he was getting swallowed up by a sand monster. So I never got the whole Bubba Fat thing. So for, for them to flesh it out the way that they fleshed it out is the question that I, I want to ask you. And when kind of, kind of like when you saw Cobb Vanth, did you know then like, okay, here's going to go Bubba. But before that, I want you to tell me your story about Superman 3. 
No, this was real easy. No, it's, it's real easy because uh, I do want to get into the whole Boba Fett and Cobb Vanth and the armor and all that. Um, because we'll have it when Superman 3 came out. For This is back when we went, we did this thing we called going to the movies. I don't know if anyone remembers that. <laughs> it was many, many years, many moons ago. So long I re- ago. I remember a buddy of mine and I, we, um, we it was like, was approaching the end of the school year, you know, because I was in high school at the time. And we we're like, hey, let's just go, let's go downtown to go see um to go see um um a movie. And we ditched, we ditched like the second half of I forgot the last three, four periods of school to go go down on uh, the, the remember uh, intro for uh, I'm talking I'm sure if you're outside of Chicago, you're not gonna get any of these references, but in Chicago, if you went downtown, you went down State Street, they had all these theaters. Now it's it's Broadway, you know, Broadway theaters, but um, but they had movie theaters and you would go um, the Chicago theater and across the street from the Chicago theater was yet another theater that you could go to to see movies. And the Chica- if you went to the Chicago, that's when they had the big movie there. Mm-hmm. That's like where I would see. That's where I saw Return of the Jedi. Um, that's where I saw Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. You know, all the big films always premiered at the Chicago. Mm-hmm. And that's where we went. Um, my buddy and I went down um, to go see. Um, well, I, t- I had already seen Return of the Jedi, but he really wanted to see Superman 3. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, OK, if you want to see Superman 3, I'll tell you right now, uh, I think Return of the Jedi is really good. And, um, you know, you're going to you're probably going to enjoy it. Were, no, no, let's go see Superman 3. So I said, OK, sure. Let's go see Superman 3. We went in to see Superman 3. And as we walked out, he went, man, I should have listened to you. We should have gone, gone to see Return of the Jedi. Listen. So, so we go. Wait, but then we go. And I go, see, I told you. So we go across the street to the Chicago. And I go, okay, we bought two tickets to see Return of the Jedi. Right after I buy those tickets, there was some lady or whoever asked me for directions, like to find some place downtown that I didn't know. So I said, hold on a second. The, the traffic had stopped right in front of the theater and there was a cabbie stopped at the light. And I ran out to the cab in the middle of the street to ask, hey, do you know where this is? This person needs directions. And when they gave me these directions, I turned around and that's when I got hit by a car. Whoa. And um, the world flipped upside down for me. I mean, it, suddenly it, the world was spinning and wham, I was like, um, find myself lying in the middle of the street. And um, I go, what? I'm like, what the hell happened? And then, you know, I even heard someone go, whoa, look at that. As I'm looking through the air. <laughs> so my buddy's there. And so he goes, he goes oh. and then I put, long story short, my buddy goes, first he goes, I go, what happened? He goes, yeah, you did a 360 degree flip with a twist. I'm getting into the back of the ambulance because they're going to take me to the hospital because I just got hit by a car. And my buddies go, should I go with you? And I go, no, nah, don't worry. Go see Return of the Jedi. He went to go see Return of the Jedi. <laughs> well, I went, you well, okay? I went to the hospital. Were you okay? <laughs> no, I was fine. Well, I had uh, contusions and my legs swelled up to the size of a watermelon. But, but amazingly, I did not break anything, if you can believe did it. They, did they, well, well, it was your fault you got hit, but did they catch the person that uh, hit you? Yeah, it was or a cabbie, they- another cabbie. And um, my mom, yeah, it was, yeah, it was my fault. Man, that's another thing, too, where you're lying there in the middle of the street and suddenly all these people surround you like you're lying there. And 
legit. No, I am not joking when I tell you there was a dude in a in a long coat. He was a freaking lawyer. He had his card ready to hand it to me. I'm like, where did you come from? Wait, are there lawyers just walking down the street waiting for cases that they can represent? What? Yes, yes, they are. Yeah, so so to this day, Return of the Jedi will always be the movie that I got hit by a car waiting to see. You know, wow. After going to see Superman 3. Superman 3 and Return of the Jedi are this linked Weird. together. Yeah. Wow. That David show, Elliot Serrano, follow him at Elliot Serrano. Uh, Chicago's King of Geeks talking about getting hit for Return of the Jedi. Actually, getting hit trying to help a lady out, I should say. Yeah, well, that, the lesson for all you kids is don't help nobody. <laughs> well, these days, these days money, that was before you had, you can look at your phone and get directions, right? It was like 83. You didn't, they didn't even have Google Maps back then. No, you didn't have it. You, had, you needed now, some help. I needed help. You need some help. But look, getting back to the Mandalorian and talking about the Bubba Fat part. And like I said, when Carl Vanth was sitting there in the armor uh, and to know that probably he was going to be in the season anyway. But how did you like how how did you like how they introed him in and how they fleshed out the Bubba Fat storyline? Also added to the canon as far as the storyline also. See, this is where I thought it was really clever, because like when you look at season one, all right. You had the 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 one scene where Ming Na's character, I, I, um, I'm trying to remember her character's name, after her and the Mandalorian part ways, and the Mandalorian leaves her like there and Tatooine, and you know he's he's not going to kill her, but she's got to figure out her own way out of whatever. And then we see this figure, this mysterious figure, walk up to her, and and people are like doing screen caps, and they're showing, oh yeah. That's Boba Fett, man. That's Boba Fett because he's wearing the same spurs or boots or whatever that Boba Fett wore. And, and 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 which is clever to get, you know, because these days you can do things like screen caps on your on your computer. Mm-hmm. And it and it's, it starts that debate online. Those are things that we didn't have back, you know, back in the mm-hmm. 80s, you know, when mm-hmm. the, Star, the Star Wars films were coming out. Even like when the prequels were out and about. Um, because with the prequels, you know, they didn't come out on video until much later and you essentially needed to go off a pirate copy or somebody taking pictures in the theater to get, you know, images. Mm-hmm. So with something like Disney plus, or when you have it on, you know, on your computer, it's easier to capture images. It, that feeds into the social media discussion. So I'm pretty sure the folks at Disney, you know, Disney plus, John Favreau, all of them, they know that if we just start dropping little things here and there, that'll get people talking, you know, chittering about it and then get, you know, get see. So the more they're pushing, oh, it's Boba Fett. I'm going, that's not freaking Boba Fett. No way is that Boba Fett. They're not going to do that. I'm like, they're trying to be clever. They're trying to make it look like it's Boba Fett, but I'm too smart for that. (laughs) I don't think it's Boba Fett. Because then when the dude from Justified shows up and we know that's not Boba Fett because this dude is skinny and doesn't even fit in the armor. Right. Then I see, ha, I told you it wasn't (laughs) Boba Fett. Don't get all you people out there who thought it was Boba Fett. Don't you feel dumb now? And then two episodes later, oh, I was wrong. <laughs> Elliot, real quick, real quick. So at the end, the episode you're just talking about, at the end of that episode, when they show the Saturday figure on the Dune, 
Did you believe you were wrong and that did you just like, oh, they, they are bringing Bubba Fat in? Did you think that when they showed Bubba Fat standing on the dune without the armor? See, that's the thing. I'm like, I was going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then I saw, oh, shh, it's Tamura. It's Tamura Morrison. I mean, uh, what? And then I'm like, oh, okay. Wait, uh, are they trying to fake me? I mean, this is like a bit again back to like you were saying about the season, the season finale, where you your eyes are seeing something, but you're not quite accepting it, and right. you keep waiting for them to do like a switch on you, like you know, yeah, it's Tamura Morrison, yeah, he looks like Boba Fett, and then they'll go, wait, are you Boba Fett? No, I was part of Clone Batch three one six. Okay, all right, thank you. You, you did it to me again. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh, that David Show here really in Serrano. I'll make sure you check out the Grumpy Cat Omnibus that's coming out. You get that box set of all those Grumpy Cats that are dropping. Uh, do that and support my man. Uh, listen, I have to ask you this. Did Asaka fake Dan out? She promised him that if he if he sat there and helped her do what she needed to do, that she would train uh, Groku. And then at the end of it, she's basically like, I don't want to train him. And I know the thought is she doesn't want to end up in an Anakin situation, right? But you're still putting the baby out there to be trained by sending him to the temple to find another Jedi. And you don't know which Jedi. I don't, I I guess this is twofold. Did she feck him out? But also, did Asaka know the Jedi that will be coming for Groku? Because she did mention there are very few of us around here left. Is there a... Do I have to watch my language on this? Nope, you can curse. Go right ahead. Bitch went back on her word. I'm telling you. I'm like, what? You're too, what? Oh, right. no, there are no more Jedi. <laughs> okay, first, you know there's more freaking Jedi out there. You know Ezra's out there, okay? Mm-hmm. You know they're all out there. You know there are more of you out there. That was her... It was essentially a sucker going, uh, I got uh, things to do right, right now. Like, I'm looking for Thrawn, and the last thing I need right now is baby drama. You know, it's like baby mama drama, but you're taking somebody else's baby. baby. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I don't need this. I don't need to be babysitting while I'm looking for Grand Admiral Thrawn. Wait, and uh, correct me. Is he known as Grand, Grand Admiral Thrawn in the, in the, in the current yes. canon? Still, believe, not yeah. just Admiral Thrawn. He's Grand. No, I thought it was Grand. I thought it was Grand Admiral Thrawn. Because especially with a name like Thrawn, you got to be Grand with your right. Admiral. You can't. Because I remember the, the very first time for you know this is going way back, and I mean you know I would I read the original. I remember buying the original Heir to the Empire series that Timothy Zahn wrote. Okay. Back when I had the hard I had the hard covers, and that's when you first met Grand Admiral Thrawn. Which would that all those stories, pardon me, all those stories kind of got swept away when they reset the canon. Yeah. But but they brought back the same author, Timothy Zahn, to bring Admiral Thrawn back into the current canon. Okay. Um, which um, yeah, so I was there's there's always little bits and pieces that I have to remind myself, oh, that's the old guy, and then this is the old guy that they reimagined for the new the new version. So look, were you shocked? Well, no, no, no. Why was, I, I guess is what I want to say, why was Dan Mando shocked or was he shocked when Cara Dune shot the pilot in the face? Because he, <laughs> he, looked, 
Because it's like, wait, and you, I, I get you, like, I get to a point you could be shocked, but you kind of know who she is and, and how dude was egging her on, talking about just destroying her planet. Why do you think then, and it's funny, I'm talking about he made a, he made a face when he has a helmet on, but still, you, he stared her down like, I can't believe you just shot that man in the face, which also is prime time shooting person in the face. I, I rewound that three to four times because I was like, <laughs> that is some, that's some great face shooting right there. That was good. See, but that's the, that's the that's the the uh, magic of the Mandalorian character and the way they have him set up. Because first, you know, for folks who may not realize that realize this, it's not always Pedro Pascal under that helmet. Yeah, they have like a number of different folks who um, who play the the Mandalorian. Some are there just for the acting bits. And Pedro Pascal does the the voice. He'll be in a studio doing the voice like he would for an animated character. And some are like the stunt guys, you know, the guys who are doing it, getting the crap beat out of them. Which, by the way, um, this past, the dude got seriously got the crap beat out of him in this this episode. But but the glory, the, 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 the beauty of that character is that you have to bring part of yourself to that. So, like, there are a lot of times, like, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm going, um, this dude is not doesn't really seem to be emoting anything to me right now. They're uh-huh. expecting me to come to the scene and go, "Oh, all oh, that emotion! Oh, what's he? He must be so shocked." But he, exactly what you're saying, he does a little pause here and there, gives you a moment to register how maybe you think he feels, and then boom, that's the emotion of the moment, and um, and that's brilliant the way that is. To me, it doesn't always work, though, because there are times when I think he they spend a little too much time, you know, overdoing the stare, the turn, the head tilt. Da, 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 and and I, I mean, you know, again, I, I do folks hope folks realize that this is a show meant for kids. That David show, Elliot Serrano, follow him at Elliot Serrano. Elliot, it's funny you mentioned that there were several people, if not more, playing the, the role or in the suit of, of Mando. Because I remember like four episodes ago being like, why is he switching all of a sudden? Like he was walking and this was not the same walk. And I'm like, I'm telling my friend, I'm like, he's switching? Like, what's going on? Why is he switching all of a sudden? Different right? dude. Different right? dude. Yeah. I mean, they get they get Pedro Pascal. I mean, of course, he was there at the end, you know, for that big that big moment, which was really well done. Um, But, you know, when you have a character who never takes off his helmet, you know, if I'm the uh, this is a thing that cracks me up. Because they have there's this uh, like controversy. I'm doing air quotes controversy that um, Pedro Pascal wants more scenes where he can take the helmet off. I'm like, why? If I'm Pedro Pascal, I'm like, keep the helmet on all the time. Cause guess what? That means I get to come to work in my pajamas. <laughs> right. And do like I'll do some voiceover work, do some stuff, da-da-da. You guys see me, you record it. We're in looping, bing bang, boom. Give me my paycheck. I go home. Otherwise, I gotta go down to a sound stage. I gotta be ready to be there. I gotta put this this costume on that is hot AF. And you know, why am I gonna do that? It's like, you know. The, the the voice actors on The Simpsons talk about how great their life is. It's all they got to do. They, they spend a day in the studio, a day or two in the studio, and they get a year's work done. Mm. So why why am I going to be Pedro Pascal? Say, hey, I need to be. I need more scenes with the helmet off. That means, dude. That means more work, real work that you got to yeah. get out there. I mean, that's a good gig. I wouldn't mess with it. 
Exactly. He went on to say that he didn't feel like that when that rumor came out uh, that you mentioned. Listen, I loved how everything made sense in this. And one of the examples were when uh, Kara and all of the ladies uh, were sitting there and they were going through that bridge and the stormtroopers came on both sides. And one of them fell through in the like the bay at the bottom. And I was thinking like, why is there a bay at the bottom right there, right? Why aren't so, there handrails? Right, something. Okay, you've, got, you've got this bridge that goes over. over. I'm like, what, why are they against handrails in the Star like, Wars universe? I was like, the, the Imperial really doesn't care. They're like, if you fall us on your ass, you should have not been doing whatever you were doing. But to sit, go ahead, what are you about to say? No, I was going to say, but okay, go on and, and I want to f- complete, you complete your thought because I think I can add to yeah. that, but go on. So I, I got up and I, I watched the show again. And uh, it was funny because one, the scene where Mando opens up the bay door where uh, the, the, the the dark troopers are, are, are charging and they get zipped, they get sucked out to space. Uh, and I was thinking like, why is there a bay door there? All right. They, they, but then when I watched again, it made sense. So I'm like, oh, OK. So they have that bay there in case anything's happening on the bridge that the dark troopers can come and be right there just as they were coming in there. And I was like that. I didn't even think how much sense it made. And also there was a door at the back of the charger room because just like when they went to pick Groku up when he was at the temple, they dispatched them and send them out because it's not like they need a ship. They're not alive. So I, the fact that those little things took place, it, it, it endeared it even more to me to see that they took the time to put those those little parts into there. They, they really didn't have to, but it just is to question it and then see the answer to the question. I really enjoyed that part. Yeah, you know, there's a there is a logic to it, an internal logic to it, which is good. I mean, there are a couple of bits where you're like, ah, wait, no, oh, that's right, because they do. There are times when they would launch the dark troopers from there. You know, they're coming out. Yeah, they're doing a the whole thing. But here's my thing, and this is the thing that that I felt. I will tell you because when Cara Dune and and Bo-Katan and the unnamed, uh, do they ever give me the name of the other Mandalorian that's with her? Yeah, it's um, I saw it. Today, I forget her name though, but yes, okay. yeah, because I kept thinking it's not Sabine, Sabine's got no, the color it's not here, Sabine. right? It's definitely not Sabine, it's not Sabine. so, so there, but so they got, and then I'm like, the the car, they're they're going through there, they kill everybody in the hangar, choo, 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 kill everybody. Then they get on that again, that walkway that you're talking about, and the stormtroopers, the other stormtrooper squad, and I mean, I know why they set that scene up because when you hear drop your weapons it, it's the same sound bite from it, i want to say it was uh, either empire or return where the stormtroopers go drop your weapons it okay. was the exact same sound bite so they did that okay. and they're going dude these folks just killed everybody in the party. You shouldn't be telling Chuck. The moment you see them, you should be shooting them. You should be killing them. But no, they drop their weapons and they stand there long enough to get killed themselves. I'm like, stormtroopers aren't that bright. They're just not that. Bright. They can't aim, and they're not that bright. Real quick, these stormtroopers. Oh, and I, I, this question just popped in my head. Now, are these stormtroopers like Finn, or are these stormtroopers Django's? kids no these are these are people i mean this is the thing that i feel bad i feel bad i actually feel bad for these stormtroopers more than i ever did for like any of the stormtroopers in empire or jedi or or a new hope because these are okay they're part of the the the, the folks that were conscripted by the the empire the imperial remnant right mm-hmm. so let's say like i'm you know, 
I'm Hugo Chavez and, you know, I've been deposed and, but my army is still following me, you know, so I'm in exile and I'm going to the rainforest of, you know, Venezuela, whatever. And my army stays with me because they're being loyal to me. That's the only life they've ever known, Mm. you know, or, you know, that's all they can do. That's the only way they can. So, so then these are those stormtroopers. They're just people. They're people who were, drafted and either drafted or joined the empire and the empire, this is years after Palpatine is dead. And there are, you know, the, the new Republic has already, you know, started building up a new government. These are um, members of a, of a remnant that they don't know, you know, that's the life they've always known. And I'm sure you're going to have like, uh, like a bill, a bill Burr's character, right. Who mm-hmm. used to be a stormtrooper and said, F this life. I'm, you know, I'm going to do something else. Um, but these are the ones that didn't walk away from that life. And now they're like, to- they're, they're, they're seriously paying the price because yes, then they, well, actually I take that back because even as um, we start in the, like when you flash ahead, like 20 years, when you get into the force awakens and you get into the, the, um, um, I want to say the new order because, but that's all different. <laughs> the first order, the new order, great band. Uh, but the first order, um, those are still people who are drafted. They're, they're okay. just regular people who, who who are buying into that and want to revive the empire. Um, so no, they're not they're not uh, clones. They're just people. They're okay. and and I feel bad for them because it's like it's like it's like Confederate soldiers who are still fighting the war, even though the Civil War is over. Just you know what? Take off the uniform, go home to your family. And these are these are Confederate soldiers that haven't done that. And it's being a black person, I'll tell you this. Fuck those souls. I know, but see, that's the thing. <laughs> there you go, and I can, that's why I went with that analogy because essentially that's what we're supposed to think. Fuck those guys. Hey, they're the bad guys. I'm sorry. You know what? If you're not smart enough to take off to stop being the bad guy, right. take it off you, and walk away. Yeah. yeah then, sorry. then guess what? Sorry. Hey, you know what? I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, the dark troopers. All right, that David Show, Elliot Serrano here with us. Follow him at Elliot Serrano. The dark troopers. And I didn't even really dare. I could have answered this myself, but I wanted to, to bring it up so other people can find out. Because uh, I think I may know the, next, the answer. They have some connection. To, they have some connection to the force uh, because clearly they sensed Luke when he pulled up in the X-Wing. They all turned around before he even he even pulled out the, the uh, his, his lightsaber. When, he, when that X-Wing pulled up, they all stopped doing what they were doing and turned around. And I believe I think they have some type of kind of like um what's what's his name uh, what was the uh, um, what was the, the 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 robot with all the arms in the uh, prequels um, that uh, was like Darth Vader before Darth Vader he, he wasn't even a robot he was part oh, Grievous Grievous Grievous, Grievous. and Gr- you can see how Grievous was always trying to get some part of the Force and I, I wondered the same about the Dark Troopers did they have some kind of connection to the Force. That's a good there. I've seen some theories about that on um, on YouTube. I'm not sure I buy all of them. I mean, it could be something as simple as, you know, um, there's a new threat, you know, yeah. a, a, a rebel, you know, an X-Wing fighter just landed um, and it, you know, and um, and it, the dark troopers are like, you know, we got to wait, see if it gets past the first, you know, phalanx, we'll, we'll be ready for him because, I mean, he started, you know, um, the guy, 
I mean, I know we're being spoiler free up to this point, so I don't know. <laughs> the guy who ended up showing up in an X-Wing. <laughs> if you can't figure out who that is. Which uh, is why when, they, when people go, oh, it was, maybe it was Ahsoka. Ahsoka didn't fly an X-Wing. She flew, she flew a Jedi Starfighter. I've seen the Jedi. Jedi Starfighters are actually closer to TIE Fighters than they are to X-Wings. Okay. And so, um, so when they're probably going up, oh, something's happening. We have to be on alert and be ready. But, you know, it, uh, you did have uh, Moff uh, Gideon's obsession with, you know, of course, he knows the force. Mm-hmm. He's not like the other Moffs who kind of dismiss the force. Like, remember, um, Grand Moff Tarkin, he mm-hmm. considered, you know, the Jedi an ain't a quote unquote ancient religion. And he didn't really put much stock in it, at least, you know, as far as we ever saw. And so um, the, uh, maybe Moff Gideon was like, no, this is a real deal. It's possible that dark troopers were meant to be kind of like a, 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 a Jedi deterrent, mm-hmm. kind of um, like a, the, um, the droidicas were in you know, Phantom Menace. You know, droidicas, they, they were pretty, you know, mm-hmm. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan had their hands full right. dealing with just two of them. Right, you know the droid guys. I mean the 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 other uh, tro- tro- droid troopers, not so much. Um, so, so yeah, you might there could there could be a, a point there because also Moff Gideon was doing all that research into force sensitivity using Grogu's blood. Right. So maybe he was trying to figure out a yeah, figuring out a way. Yeah, right. Figuring out a way to put that sort of um, um that. Stuff into the droids, yeah, so that they know, okay, if you're in the presence of something that can channel a force, you're ready for it. Yeah. Look, speaking of Moff Gideon, did he intend for 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 uh, Din Mando to win? Because clearly, because the only reason I'm, I'm saying that is because clearly it seems like he broke out. He knew he knew that the girls were coming up on that bridge and everybody was about to die, right? He, he, but he knows because at that point, I know that Mando is going for Baby Yoda. All right. I know that's where he's going. And the last thing I want to do is to sit there and, and give Bo this this dark saber. Also, how dope was it to see the dark saber in live action at the end of last season, but then to see it again this season and being used like, like when I saw it in the last show, I was like, it's the dark saber. Right. But, <laughs> but the only reason I say that is because when you, when you, when you go up, when he goes back up there and, and he points out to, to, to Lando Mando that like, yeah, you know, now she has to fight you to get the dark saber. It seems like that was his intention was, I'm not saying he wouldn't have preferred to get out, but it seems like in the back of his mind, that was his intention to make sure she didn't get it and also to piss her off because he knows that she has to battle Mando in order to be the, the, the person that can uh, go back to Mandalore and be the ruler. You know, that's the way it worked out. Okay. But here's the thing about Moff Gideon. It seems to me that that his, his flaw is his, his arrogance. I think mm. that's, that's his flaw because I'm going to tell you if I'm Moff Gideon and I'm, Thinking back, I'm looking back on how things go down. I'm probably like, you know what? I'm going to let this guy take the kid and walk out of here. And then I'm going to walk out of here. I'm just going to get on a shuttle and I'm going to leave. I'm going to have the dark saber with me. All I did was lose a ship and some personnel, but I still have the dark saber, which is what, what, you know, Bo-Katan wants. Mm. And I pretty much, you know, it's like the whole, yeah, he who fights and runs away lives to fight another fight day, right? Yeah. And he has baby Yoda blood too. 
Yeah, and he, and yeah, exactly that. So yes, he, he pretty much has everything he needs. But he's like, oh, now I can take this guy down. You know, forgetting the dude is like clad in Beskar armor. You know, so he thought, oh, I can take this guy down. He's like, oh shit, oh no, wait a minute. Beskar, you can get your hands on. Yeah, he's like the best, and I'm like, which which. I want to thank Dave, Filo- uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau for finally answering the question that has been plaguing Star Wars nerds for forever, mm-hmm. which is, can a lightsaber cut through adamantium? Mm-hmm. Remember, they used to say, can a lightsaber cut through Wolverine's claws? Right. And I want to tell you right know. now, Eskar yeah. armor is essentially adamantium. So right. it's, it's, it's the same thing. So okay. that, that debate's been settled. Not yeah, gonna be Ken. That's our armor cut through Adamantium. Right, like that was, and that was the crazy. That was the craziest thing to see the armor go up against the lightsaber and be like, "Oh, okay." Like it, yeah. I did like the part where it heated up when 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 Moff Gideon was hitting it with the dark saber, and it yeah. was like, "Oh, that just that." And again, the, the lightsaber work in this movie was top notch. As far as they, they definitely got it right. I, look, I want to get to the helmet. Um, what are the rules of the watch? Like, because it seems like when we, we saw that where you had the situation where uh, Mando had to take off his mask in order to for the machine to read him. So he took it off. But then, of course, he takes it off at the end for Baby Yoda. And, and, and Mando says to Bo, like, you guys aren't really Mandalorians. I'll out here just face all up in the streets. Right. And so what are the rules of the watch? Can they take off their helmets or is, is Mando just out here like I'm getting comfortable? It's like being out here in the Rona, these Rona streets without your mask on. It's just like, you know what I'm living. <laughs> I see that to me. And I think that is the 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 um, I think that's the arc of the character as we're going from the beginning when we first meet the Mandalorian to that final scene. It's the, that, you know, Jin is. He has a set of beliefs. He has like, he's very set, you know, when he was a boy and he was rescued by the Mandalorians or this sect of Mandalorians, you know, he he really bought into it. That really informed his beliefs, who he was, what he wanted to be. And, you know, like all of us, you know, you grew up in a, in a particular, you know, religion religion or, you know, kind of family, different sort of culture Mm. that really defines you. Mm-hmm. You know, you try very hard to adhere to that. And then, you know, again, back to uh, um, Bill Burt, Bill Burt's character who tells him, he goes, you know, we all have things that we believe until we come to certain situations. Right. And we find, you know, we got to, you know, we got to adjust. You know, we all, I'll say, we all have a line that we won't cross until it comes to a certain point, mm-hmm. which is why I really like that episode, uh, the previous episode when, um, you know, you know, the man, Mando has to, you know, take the helmet off so the thing will read his face. You know, he decides right then and there, this mission, getting this kid back means more to me than this belief that was instilled in me. Mm-hmm. And then again, at the very end, you know, where it's like, you know, I might never see this kid again. You know, you see, he takes the helmet off because it means more to that kid now means more to him than the rules that the sect of Mandalorians instilled in him. So that's, again, this big, this wide arc, this arc of the character where he goes from thinking maybe my life doesn't have to be in this box that I've set for myself. I mean, think about it in the very first. And this was one of my criticisms in the very beginning of the show was when um, uh, in the first season, when um, the the Mandalorian turns the child over to um, the client, 
you know, the um, um, mm-hmm. Warder Herschel character. And then, you know, and you go, but that's the rules of the guild. The guild is you, you, you do the job, you take your payment, you go. He goes and he gets he, he gets all this Beskar armor, plat, uh, whatever the little mm-hmm. bars, bars were. Mm-hmm. And he gets it made into his, you know, into newer, better armor. But what does he do? He reneges on the deal. He got his payment, mm-hmm. but his conscience won't let him leave the child behind. So it's like, oh, so now he's like, boom. And, and throughout the the the, the first, well, the, he's tried really sticking to his, you know, quote unquote ethics or whatever mm-hmm. in the first season. But it happens more and more in the second season, right? Where he's mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, I got to do this because I got to adhere to the code. But man, you know, it'd be really helpful if I didn't have to deal with this. Or, or actually, right now the code is keeping me from doing certain things that I really want to do. So, um. So when you talk about what are the rules, I mean, the, the, the rules are what they are. Mm. Uh, oh, but then, it's also helpful, too, that he meets other Mandalorians who don't follow those rules. Right. They're like, and which is I, I appreciated that they established that because, again, I watched Rebels for how long? Mm. And they're going, why is why is John Favreau telling me this dude can't take his helmet off? I saw Sabine take her helmet off all the time on oh, Rebels. Yeah. Right. Just with Mandalorians, and I know she's a Mandalorian, and we saw all her Mandalorian family take their helmets off, and then it's like the whole, oh, no, no, it's a particular sect. So right. so when people go, Mandalorians don't do that, hashtag not all Mandalorians is the response. <laughs> that David show, L.A. Serrano here with us. I'm here with me. Uh, listen, so let's get to what we were saying at the, the spoiler, the big spoiler. Uh, look, I was sitting there watching it, all right? I see. Listen, once you see the X-wing fly past first, you're like, "Oh, okay, right." So I still, I'm thinking of Sokka, and as you said, that she wasn't flying an X-wing, and I'm definitely thinking, "All right, Ezra showing up." All right, they they gave me a Sokka. Why not have Ezra show up? Right. Set there, full on Return of the Jedi fit. All right, Jedi fit. All right, full on Return. Like, because if you can remember being a kid when you saw that. It was like, because that was like Luke being a grown-ass badass, right? So, and I said it, Luke. So, when you sit there first, and we don't see, all we see is the the the, the, the saber, the, he has the hood on with the full black outfit, belt buckle, uh, but the, I didn't see the family saw the hand, but see, even with the hand, he could still be Ezra, right? But I, listen, I was like you, though, with, with, with Bubba, I should have just let it all go. And I'm, I'm beginning to, but I'm still like, I know they're not Mark. Well, I didn't even think it was going to be Mark Hamill. All right. Because kind of even going what you said about the actor that they said to play Ezra, there was also an actor they pointed out could play Luke uh, that I saw a couple weeks ago, a week ago. So I'm still not thinking it's actually Mark Hamill in this. So that's, a, again, if you're, if you're a kid that you're an 80s kid, I, you want a little Mark Hamill on your, your, on your Luke. I'm just being honest with you. Listen, on, on that note, too, I love I love Donald uh, Donald Glover, but I, I like I, I need a little Billy D. Williams on, on my Lando. I mean, Lando got to have some, some some sex appeal on him just for me. I just I got to put put that out there. But so when did you change to believe that it was Luke Skywalker that was there destroying the dark troopers? Was it after he revealed himself or how into the battle did you say, yeah, this has to be Luke? It was the the green saber with the black hand with the yeah. black glove hand. And that's when I was like, I was like. I, I was like, oh, my God, this is, you know, I, I like that. That was a scene that I had been waiting for forever. I mean, the, to see Luke 
live action, not a comic book, not a video game, although he turned into a video game character at the end. Mm. Um, but the <laughs> Luke Skywalker, full on Jedi Master level, you know, just kicking ass. And then because in my nerd head, I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Wait, they're going to do a Rogue One. They're doing the Rogue One with Luke this time instead of Vader. It's going to be a reverse, you know, because, you know, if, if, you know, they, someone even did that. They took a, um, they took this, the, that clip, that scene from Rogue One where Vader cuts down all the rebels in the hallway leading yeah, to the Panther yeah. And they do a side by side with Luke. And then, oh, but even better, um, somebody else took, um, they did a comparison of Anakin and Luke, and they took a whole bunch of stuff from not only from that scene in Rogue One, but also a lot of um, Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker in um, Revenge of the Sith and some other and um, Attack of the Clones to show the style mm. that Anakin fought in and how much Luke fought like him. So you can tell they really paid attention to that. A lot of folks were like, ah, oh, that's not the way Luke would do it. No, that, that was no. The point was they were looking at how. He was like his father at this time. He was like parts Vader, parts Anakin. Just like the bit with um, when you um, when you see the first trailer to uh, the Phantom Menace and they do that brief clip where uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are fighting Darth Maul and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan jump like across this, this, you know, they jump from this one platform to another to confront Maul. But Obi-Wan does a flip. As he goes, you know, Qui-Gon just jumps, but Obi-Wan does a flip, the same flip that Luke did in Empire Strikes Back. Mm. So, they're, you know, so you see, I, mean, I remember seeing that as a kid going, oh, shit, that's that Obi-Wan must have taught him that flip. You know, that's where it came comes from. So they were putting all that together. So, I mean, I was convinced, you know, the moment I saw the, the green saber, because it was even the same hilt. It was the same hilt. I mean, that, that's the level of nerd I am. The moment I'm looking at him, I'm going, no, that's Luke. Because I know that I know that hilt anywhere. I know that glove. He's doing the black the the the, the black um robe. Mm-hmm. He's walking like a badass. He's even got the, the gray belt buckle. No, that's Luke. And then at that point, I'm freaking crying. I'm telling you, I was crying. I don't know, it was like a moment I was having where this 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 release took place. Oh. And I just started going, oh, it's Luke, I've been waiting so long for this. <laughs> I love it. And the thing that kills me is you go watch these other um, reaction videos. There's one other one I was watching where some dude is like watching it with his girlfriend or his wife or whatever. And you can see he's starting to, he's like, he's starting to cry. You can tell it. And his wife's going, oh, that's okay. Oh, no, honey, that's fine. Oh, no, really, that's fine. And I'm going, well, you see, that's, that's what like I had been waiting for, for forever. That's the one reason why The Last Jedi, even though I'm sure it's a great film for what it is and for what it did and what it set out to do, but I, I just have such a hard time reconciling that, you know, that the way Luke ends, his story ends, right, you right. know, with what, what happened. And now, don't get me wrong, I don't want to get into Last Jedi bashing, because again, and a lot of folks will go, well, see, you know, then that's, you know, the Luke in uh, in Mandalorian, that's the real Luke. Yeah, that means John Favreau's getting rid of the Luke from Last Jedi. I go, no, no, that's not, that's not the case. That's the, the Luke in Mandalorian is 
three, four years after Return of the Jedi. That's when he's still like approaching his prime right. and he's still full of this, um, you know, this, this, this purpose. He wants to rebuild the Jedi Order. That's why he was there. That's why he went mm-hmm. to get Grogu in the first place because Grogu went out calling and Luke's mission at this point is go around and collect all your candidates, collect all your candidates. So he went there and he probably went, oh, this is going to be the shit. I'm going to have to walk in to get this this kid. And, and he, oh, of course, he's surrounded by dark troopers. Whatever. <laughs> Skywalker. He's going to go in and do it. Which is like, whoa. So badass, dude. He didn't, he didn't need no backup. One That's what I was going to say. It's dope. One X-Wing. And that Luke Skywalker walks into the, walks onto a fucking Star Destroyer by himself. And he goes, I don't need no backup. I'm good. I got this. (laughs) I loved it. And I mean, I've always been like, that's my favorite Star Wars character, right? Like as a kid. Uh, And I mean, on top of that, like I love Mark Hamill just in general from the Joker to whatever. I love, listen, I love the Uber Eats commercials with him (laughs) and Jon Stewart. Like, I mean, I like, I love, like, you think you're Patrick Stewart, Patrick Stewart, because Picard is my favorite, my favorite captain. Uh, And that's a whole nother show for a whole nother day. Uh, But so listen, sticking with that, what are your expectations? No, no, I want to, I got two, I I got a question. Who is Roku's parents? Do you have, do you, is there any thoughts to, because we know it was Yoda, Yoda and Yaddle got together and, you know, get that back, back, that. you know, yeah. back in a coat room over at the Jedi temple. Right. You know, just let's go off to the side <laughs> real quick. Hey Mace, watch the door. Watch uh, the door. <laughs> what's up? That when, the, when the, when the rocking, when the room a rocking is a knocking, do not come. <laughs> but that's what you, and you just led to the, to the rumor that people would say, and that, that, Yes, Jedi aren't supposed to have an attachment, but having a kid, you can just be a bad parent and just go on with <laughs> You can abandon them. Hey, nobody said you can't abandon kids and then not have an attachment as a Jedi. Uh, the thing about Grogu, I mean, it's like, um, it, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, I, first, I'm going to admit jealousy here because um, I wanted to pitch that story. I wanted to pitch to Dark Horse back when Dark Horse had the Star Wars license. Uh, I was trying to get in with them to um, work on some of their properties. I wanted to pitch a story about Yoda's lineage, like the, the, the planet he came from, all those people. I had a Yaddle story I wanted to write, you know. Um, so I was like, so when I when later on it comes out that um, there's a, a a creature of Yoda's species being introduced, um, you know, I was like, ah, oh, damn it, that's what I wanted to do. So, but I will I give John Favreau credit because he caught lightning in a bottle right there. You know, it, he found that one question that was out there that no one really thought about. Because you look at um. You look at like Star Wars trading cards, all the Star Wars literature, databases, wiki, Wikipedia and all that. You look up Yoda and when it says species um, unknown, planet of origin unknown, it's never done. And mind you, uh, and some folks will say, well, um, George Lucas did that on purpose. No, uh, George Lucas admits he forgot. Mm-hmm. He has forgot to set that up for Yoda. But when he realized he forgot it, he said, nah, well, you know what? It's because Yoda is that mysterious character who comes in, does his job, leaves. He's like the beggar Vance of, of Star Wars. Right? <laughs> you know? 
This comes in, gives you your wisdom, then he moves on. Bounces out. Right. Um, but John Favreau saw that, recognized it, said, okay, well, we can't bring in Yoda because Yoda's gone. But, hey, we know that there are others of that species, so let's bring a younger Yoda in, a younger of that species, and make it, the again, the MacGuffin uh, or the, the cub of our lone wolf and cub that we set up here and work with that. And not only did that capture everybody's imagination and got people thinking, um, but it, it's got, it, it starts um, conversations like this, like are, you know, wait, is that Yoda's kid or why or, well, does it have to be Yoda's kid? Can it just right. be of his species? I mean, cause I mean, let's be honest. I get a no, I got a, I got really annoyed after um, they, when, um, when John Boyega was introduced as Finn at the force awakens. And the first thing people kept saying, is that Billy, D- is that Lando's kid? <laughs> so in other words, you're saying Star Wars, all black people are related to each other. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> uh, wait, speaking well, of my childish not. Is Lando, <laughs> is Lando a, a clone? No. Okay. Cause I Lando, saw that. Years but ago. but it's funny it's funny because remember because they even did that bit I remember when Donald Glover was on Saturday Night Live um, uh, a year ago or so um, this was right after Rise of Skywalker and he did a skit as Lando he was like it's it's the convention of all black all the black people in the Star Wars universe and there are like five people there so yeah was <laughs> that so that was a joke. It's like, oh, well, all black folks are related in Star Wars. And they're going, that is, a, you know, when people talk about that, I just find that like, kind of like, like intellectually offensive mm-hmm. until, until uh, Rise of Skywalker, where the character of Janna, the, the black woman who was a former stormtrooper, remember who Finn meets? Yes. You know, when they're going there, apparently, and they, they I, thank God they cut this out of the movie, but apparently... Um, it was it was supposed to be pitched that she was actually Lando's daughter. Oh, that he lost like years before. So that whole bit where she goes, I don't know who I am, and then he goes, Well, let's find out together. Because <laughs> you know? it's like he's thinking, Wait, this who is this? Maybe this is the daughter that I lost. So I was like, Oh no, no, don't do that. That's that's no, that's too too quaint. That's no. You know, the galaxy is very very big. Infinite yeah. diversity in infinite combinations. Not everybody has to be related just because they're a certain skin color, skin color, or a certain species. All right, two more questions. Uh, it was heartwarming to me to see uh, uh, Bib Fortuna sitting on that throne because as a kid, man, Bib Fortuna is like me. He's gained a lot of weight over. Yes, but that's what made it great. <laughs> it's like fat, like it's fat Bib Fortuna, right? Just making all these next to Jabba. And I'm like, wait, this dude that used to stand next to Jabba when I see him sitting there and it just, so again, watching going past through the credit scenes and, and seeing that that extra clip in there uh, and then I'm hit with looking at the, the move for the the, uh, the book of Bubba Fett and uh, my first thought was, wait, is this going to be like dark? But then I thought, you know what? Bubba kept his word when it came to, and he didn't have to uh, making sure that Groku got back with uh, the Mandalorian. So uh, I just, so what, what are your thoughts as first, what were your thoughts when you saw Ben Fortuna, but what are your thoughts as far as what do you expect from the Bubba Fat uh, book? Or it's going to be it's a, it's a spinoff, I should say. So people don't. Yeah. Yeah. Book, book of Bubba Fat. I mean, because uh, the first thing was that Mandalorian is supposed to be like the seedy side of the, the, Star Wars universe, right? 
But um, I'm guessing that in season three of The Mandalorian, he's going to get pulled into all that, uh, you know, reclaim the throne of Mandalore, you know, help the people there. Again, getting back to exploring the culture of the Mandalorians and so on. So that's not that seedy because it's like the Mandalores are like these noble, you know, mm-hmm. that's more Knights of the Round Table type stuff. So you can't get so seedy with that. Whereas if you have Boba Fett, like on the, uh, you know, pretty much running the the uh, the underworld on the outer rim in the spot that Jabba the Hutt once sat in, um, you're like, that's. Oh, that's going to get seedy. That's going to be like, you know, um, what's the, uh, someone was saying that's Deadwood in Star Wars. Okay. You know, it was um, a Western. This was a Western, basically. Yeah. But like, what Mandalorian is like part Western, part samurai movie. You know, this is going to get totally, you know, like I'm thinking Book of Boba Fett's going to get totally Western. Okay. Totally. Very, very, very seedy, very underworld. Um, because a lot of folks, you know, they don't realize how much power the huts had. And it, when you're on the outskirts, you know, people say, well, it's 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 Tatooine. It's like if there is a bright center of the galaxy, Tatooine is the planet that's furthest from. Right. Yeah. When you're way out there, out on the outskirts. The police don't care about you. The government doesn't care about you. You're pretty much if you're the top guy there, you're the boss. You're the king. You run it. So when you're out there on the frontier, you know, you're pretty much king until someone else comes along and takes That's you down. All right. So, so that should be interesting. That should be interesting. Last one, Elliot. What are your expectations from the rest of these shows? And what are you most looking forward to? I'm looking forward to that. Um, that the one that they haven't announced yet, where Luke Skywalker is uh, rebuilding the Jedi Order and shit. <laughs> Because if they think I'm going to be happy with, you know, eight minutes of Jedi Master action, they are sorely mistaken. <laughs> I want more. <laughs> I totally, I totally feel you. I mean, it. I, I feel like it, it, you don't have to have grown up around that time. And I was, I wasn't even born. I either I was just born. I wasn't even born when the first one came out. But it's meant so much to my life, and that character has meant so much to my life. And as you said, with the the sequels, to see him go, listen, because he's Luke is the only reason I really wasn't upset because I got Mark Hamill back, but it still wasn't what I wanted. And to see, like, hype badass. This is the thing, too. We only got to see hype badass in Return of the Jedi. Like, you know, like, just... So it's very brief when we got to see peak Luke. You know what I'm saying? And to now see, like you were just saying, this is years later, thinking about how his his Jedi training has even improved. All right, to finally get that, I would be disappointed. But see, I'll ask you this. I would be disappointed, but how much of a good thing can you give someone? Because I know they're going to you definitely have them in more. I'm, I know. I know. Because I don't want them to ruin it. I don't want them to ruin it, Elliot, because I'd be upset. And that's what I'm fearful for. And I shouldn't because, you know, they've done so well, but I don't want them to mess this up. And it's, so it's, it's kind of like I was OK if the Chappelle show and before Chappelle left that show, I was like, you know, two seasons is enough. Right. Like it's go out on top. So it's, I kind of feel like that, I should say. I think what I, I get what you're saying. A lot of folks, the, 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 there are two things that are the discussion here is like, how do these events really affect? Like, does this affect who Luke was in The Last Jedi? Which, again, it doesn't. I mean, mm-hmm. we know that's where he's going to end. They've, right. they've established that. So there's mm-hmm. really no way around that. 
Um, also, it's funny too that once you hit sixty in the Star Wars uh, galaxy, you're pretty much done. You're done. You're done. You know, like Luke it was like in his sixties, dead. Qui Gon, mm-hmm. dead. Han, dead. Leia, <laughs> dead. If you're a human being in in the Star Wars movies, you once you hit sixty, you're done. That's like Logan's run. You're you're done at a certain age. Um, but I also know too that there's that huge gap be- again between Return of the Jedi and the beginning of the Force Awakens. Mm. That Disney's gonna want to, te- they're gonna say, okay, let's tell some stories in there because people are gonna want them. So I'm guessing you're gonna see comic books and books that deal with Luke Skywalker in that period because now they've introduced him. So okay, we know we can do that. And again, I'm, am I going to be completely happy, satisfied with that? No. Um, there is a rumor that they're going to do something with Luke in a future Disney Plus project. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, can it be too much of a good thing? Well, you know, right now, let's be honest. When uh, there were 10, 11, you know, Matt, uh, Star Wars either series or mini series going on right. on Disney Plus. <laughs> Hey, you know, I, I look at it the same way as I look at all. I used to all the toys and stuff that they put out. You know, I, I got a little bit of infamy by appearing in that documentary, The People versus George Lucas. Oh. I, um, I, I gained a little bit of infamy. I'm also often surprised that I still have friends at Lucasfilm mm-hmm. um, because I taught my I groused about the fact that at that time, they were putting out so many toys, so many action figures, so much stuff. There was no way you could possibly buy everything and keep up with everything. Mm. And then I was going to myself, well, why do I need to buy everything and keep up with everything? Just find the things I like, find the action figures I like, the things, and buy and keep them. And then if somebody else likes the other stuff, right. good for them. And I'm thinking that's kind of like the same thing with all these shows. You know, am I am I required to watch every single show? I don't think so. I sure hope not. I sure hope that the creators who are putting these shows together are like, okay, we're going to make this standalone, so you don't necessarily have to see everything else to get it. So, like, you saw Ahsoka. Do you need to go back and watch Rebels and Clone Wars? No, mm-hmm. Not necessarily. There's going to be an Ahsoka show now. So if that if her character interests you enough, watch that. So they'll have all these shows that come out. And I can either watch them or not. At the very least, I don't have to go to a movie theater. I can Correct. see it at home. It's going to be Correct. on my streaming service. And and I guess, you know, I guess too much of a good thing. I remember when I had no Star Wars. There were for years and years without Star Wars. So why am I going? Why should I complain? This is the thing. I'm an old man. And I got to stop complaining. I feel you. About having the good stuff. <laughs> Elliot, I appreciate listening. And you're talking about all the toys and stuff. It makes me think about those Burger King glasses that they used to have. Okay, and those I want. I want I know, those. I know. That's yeah. that, those Burger King glasses. Like those Star Wars Burger King glasses they used to have, man. Those my next door neighbor used to have all of them. Those were those, sweet. I find those on uh, every once in a while I'll come across them on eBay and I'm so tempted. Okay. And there was a, that was like the greatest thing they did a while back where they, I think Burger King reissued them. Mm. They did the glasses again. And I'm still kicking myself for not just going through and getting them all the time. Right, man. Just definitely. I, right. They did them up. And then they, they, remember they released those action figures that were with the, those style glasses. Like they did an Obi-Wan Kenobi action figure and it came with an Obi-Wan Kenobi glass in that style. But it wasn't glass. It was plastic. Okay. So you didn't have to worry about breaking them. I was breaking like, oh, man, I should have bought, bought all, all of those. 
Yeah, dude, that's a, you know it's going to be worth some. But listen, everybody, make sure you go out and get the Grumpy Cat Omnibus. Uh, get Check that out. Uh, definitely support Elliot at Elliot Serrano. Follow him. Uh, definitely the king geek in the city of Chicago. Uh, Elliot Serrano joining me. I appreciate it on that David show. And you have a happy holiday to you and your family. You too. Definitely appreciate it.